Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined for the second time, no, third time, by my best friend, not good friend, Charlotte Martin. Hello, Charlotte. Hi! Yes, it is the <laughs> third time. I forgot about that as well. <laughs> yeah, you were on for the uh, short story with our friends. Yes, that was a good one. It was. My, my mom LOL'd in the grocery store and was very embarrassed about it while she was listening to it. <laughs> I bet it was the uh, New Zealand accent. I don't remember. I know I was driving when I was listening to the episode and I had entirely forgotten that I had done that. And uh, it was very embarrassed driving. <laughs> Luckily, there was no one in the car. <laughs> Only all your listeners heard it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so we have a very exciting episode today, don't we? Yes, a bit different. So for everyone listening, Charlotte and I have both read Death on the Nile, except we have not finished the book. We have stopped just before Hercule Poirot kind of like reveals the truth. And so we're going to be telling this story today while we're both guessing what we think is going to happen. So it's a little bit of a twist, uh, but it's, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really interesting for people to hear uh, two people's takes having. And uh, we both read the book, I think is kind of the big thing. Yeah, yeah, and like neither of us have obviously read it before, and now I kind of, as like the guest, had got the reading experience as well. So, mm-hmm. like, not to say you leave things out, but you can't, you can't use that <laughs> as an excuse. But oh, you forgot to tell me the major thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was on you to to recognize it all. Yeah. So, so some other important kind of details is. I, Charlotte and I are both going to try and like explain what we thought at the time while we were in the book, while we're going through the story. But now we both like we have, we've, we've read the whole book, well, except for the end. So we have like future knowledge, we're going to try not to spoil that. And then as on top of that, because we haven't read the end, normally, when I know what's going to happen, I'm able to highlight the key points and like make sure I include them all. Because neither of us know the solution, I might leave out important points just because I didn't know they were important. So keep that in mind. Yes, very true. I also wanted to um, say a disclaimer before I started. I really tried my best to get this. (laughs) I don't think I got it. (laughs) I don't know. So I... I currently don't think I know the end either, but I'm hoping that you and I are going to bounce ideas off each other and by the end we'll have the correct solution. Yeah, usually (laughs) I can pinpoint who did it, but I have no idea why they did it. And I have, Mm. I mean, I have a strong suspicion of who I think it is, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a great reason why. And I also am not great with the side stories and I really tried this time for side stories. So we'll just. This see. is going to be so interesting. I have so many things I want to say to you, but we're going to save them for when they come up in yeah. the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Th- third thing, or wherever I'm at with points, Charlotte and I talk to each other pretty regularly on the phone, and we've had so much difficulty not talking about this book. So much difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> we're, so we're, I'm we're really excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. The today, the tea I am pairing with this episode is called Buddha's Blend. And Charlotte recommended to me that I should do like a tea that I got on vacation or something that reminds me of vacation. 
So this tea, I don't know, it just smells really floral. Mm. Like it smells like you're sitting in like, uh, I don't know, like a, just a beautiful flower sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking so, um, a blueberry tea. Had uh, nothing I to almost, do with. I almost picked blueberry tea. That's oh so my funny. God, that's great. I was like, there's no pressure on me to pick a tea that pairs with the, with the book. No. <laughs> okay, but there you go. So we've both picked like a fruity floral tea, which isn't my normal. Normally I pick a black tea, so. I just had a better one. You should have picked a tea that had honey in it because don't, didn't they like find honey? I was trying to think of something that had to do with Egypt. And I swear they found honey in in the pyramids that like you could still eat or something like that. Mm. Never mind. I just thought that. Okay. Okay. Well, to anyone home, if you want to pair tea, maybe have them um, just lemon and hot water and honey. Okay. Let's get into it, Char. The yeah. What everyone's looking forward to. So today we are talking about Death on the Nile, I think we mentioned. It's an Agatha Christie book, and it was written in, I think, 1930, but maybe 1937. My writing's a little unclear. I have the book, so I can look. I can look. I guess so do I. Mine says 1938. Huh. Nope, 1937. 1937. Okay. Okay. So there we go. So 1937, and it's, it's written in two parts, although part one is pretty short. But part one is like the introduction to all... Or not all, but some of the main characters while they're all at home. And then part two is when they go to Egypt, which is where the most of the book takes place. So first first chapter, we are introduced to Lynette Ridgway. And she is, you know, this rich, I think she's originally American, but has grown up in England. She's like very uh, beautiful, I think famous, and she's just bought a house. Did you have any opinions or thoughts at this point, Char? Well, I, okay, so we're, I'm going to get into this a little later, but um, they're making this into a movie, obviously, and one day it will come out, who knows when. And so, yeah, when I was hearing her description, she was supposed to be this, like, stunning, like, absolutely beautiful person, and, like, everyone's pretty much, like, in love with her. So my my main takeaway in chapter two was that she's engaged to this Lord Windlesham. And Wait, is she engaged? No, she didn't say yes. He's thinking that she's going to say, like, he's pressuring her, and she didn't say yes. Oh, okay. Well, like, that everyone wasn't my thinks they're going <laughs> I thought everyone thinks they're going to get engaged, and she's like, yeah, probably not. I don't think. And he's like, I'll make sure you're going to get engaged to me, is how I saw it. I did not read it that way. I took it as they're engaged and she breaks off her. Oh, I'm spoiling it, but she breaks off her engagement. (laughs) That is interesting because I read it as she was not engaged. See, we're already differing on this. Well, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, everyone else, everyone at home will have to read the book themselves. (laughs) Yeah, she has this this suitor that everyone thinks they're engaged, even if they're not. Yeah. I agree with that. They're both like, you know, well-off people. Maybe him not so much. She's definitely richer than he is. But they're both titled people. That would be the takeaway. Mm-hmm. So next chapter, we meet Joanna Southwood. And she is a friend of Lynette's. And I wrote that we find out Lynette is a B word in this chapter. Mm. Yes. <laughs> because they kind of, they have this description where Joanna's like, well, you know, if if you have, basically, if you have friends that are poorer than you, what do you do? And Lynette's like, oh, I stopped talking to them. Like, I have no use yeah. to deal with them. 
yeah. is kind of her her thing. And I think like Joanna asks to try on her pearls and Lynette says yes. Sorry. And then... Excuse me? Sorry. Can you repeat that a little bit there? I'm not trying to give anything away, but I did not remember that. Say that again? Uh, you're right. Okay. So <laughs> Joanna asks to try on Lynette's pearls and Lynette lets her. You're correct. Does she take the pearls? It's not. I'm just going to write that down. <laughs> I am very excited that you are recapping this. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> but I'm very excited you're recapping this because I have only read this like last week, but I didn't take detailed notes because I was mostly like doing it as I was commuting. And so now that I've like made it to the end part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Joanna. So I, I just want to let people know both Charlotte and I are having the same realization. When I reread the book, I had the same realization that I had not had when I got to the end of the book. So we won't talk about that yet. But yes, she asked to try on the pearls, which I do think is important. Okay. So then we're also introduced to a new, uh, another friend. Her name is Jackie de Belfort or Jacqueline de Belfort. And she, this is one of Lynette's quote unquote poor friends. I think she was, they were at the same like pensionnat in Paris. Like they've got, she had had money at one point. And then her parents had died or something like that. And, or her mother died is what I've written. I just like that someone described her. I can't remember who described her this way, but they're like, how doesn't she, how does she get away with not having money? And someone was like, oh, she just like, you know, doesn't pay her debts. <laughs> that was, she just, wasn't that Joanna? Or was it Joanna doesn't pay her debts? Yeah. Or did Joanna, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, it's Joanna. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Jackie, I think she's just called up to say, to tell Lynette that she's coming to visit. And so we haven't met her yet. She's just, she's been introduced. So then we jump back to Lord Windlesham. He's the, is he engaged to Lynette or not? I'm not sure. But he definitely thinks he is because he's thinking about how excited he is to marry Lynette for her money. And he's excited to be able to buy back his family house. So he doesn't seem like a great guy. Not going to feel bad for him ever. Then we come, Jackie comes up from London. So she's she's living in London with her fiancé. And she's basically come to Lynette's country home to ask Lynette to hire her fiancé. Because he's been, I think, recently let go from his job. And for them to be able to marry each other, he needs to be making money, is, is what I took away from that. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get Lynette to hire him as a groundsman, like to take care of the grounds, I guess. Right. Yeah, um, I took it as, I don't, you've never watched Downton Abbey, but Tom's character in Downton Abbey is, like, in charge, I mean, okay, no one will know, Downton Abbey fans, I took it as (laughs) Tom's character, where it's, like, he's a fancy person that's in charge of, like, the estate, kind of thing. Yeah, And, like, the house, the gardens, if there's any, they talked about, like, there being, um, like, uh, I forget the British word, lots or whatever, like, cabin not cabins cottages that sometimes people buy mm, and stuff lodges? and I think they're like yeah they're he's in charge of all that are gonna be okay, in charge okay. of all that that makes sense so yeah so that's she's asked Lynette to hire him and then basically when Lynette says yes she's like no I can't stay I have to get back to London to celebrate with Simon Simon Doyle is her fiance mm-hmm. So now we kind of jump over to back in London Poirot Hercule Poirot our main detective character he is out to dinner at like this super fancy, you know, um, you can only get in if the chef knows you or owner knows you. And so he's out to dinner there at this restaurant and he's sitting near a young couple who I guess he's e- eavesdropping on them, right? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, as Poro does. As Poro does. And he's interested in them. And he's kind of saying that clearly the girl is super in love with the the guy. Mm. And, but he doesn't think that the girl, that sorry, he doesn't think that the guy is necessarily that in love with the girl. That's his take. And he also notes that they're talking about um, their, after they get married, having a honeymoon in Egypt. Mm. There's that. And does he, does he realize who it is or do do we get any confirmation of who that is i i think we're told that it's lynette sorry that it's um jackie de belfort and her fiance simon doyle hercule okay. poro doesn't know who they are okay so <laughs> i've been telling caitlin yeah for days now that i have had a hunch that started early on in the book and this mm. is where the hunch came okay okay it started and now. it started now so as i said i was looking at the cast list for this movie and I saw that Gal Gadot's character was listed as Lynette Doyle. And I thought, so when I was reading this, I went, hold up. Simon Doyle is engaged to Jacqueline. What? Like, what? how? Like, okay, so I'm guessing that Lynette must eventually steal Simon or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and th- this is where they say, and we'll still get our honeymoon in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. That is the yeah. time where he said that. Okay, so... When I read that, I immediately decided, and I've literally been basing my entire reading of this book on this, um, until some <laughs> things happen, but at this point, up, in, <laughs> up until a good part of this book, I have basing it on the idea that Simon and Jacqueline planned for Simon to go and win Lynette's heart, because he's so uh-huh. beautiful, and Lynette's such a uh-huh. bad person, and mm-hmm. then they're going to go on their that Simon and Lynette are going to take Jacqueline's honeymoon and go on their honeymoon in Egypt. And then I know it's death on the Nile. So I figured Lynette's going to die and -hmm. it's going to buy an either Simon or Jacqueline. At this point, I had no idea what was going to happen later. Yeah. But I pretty um, early on. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I'll get to it in a second. No, I know. I know. I I was like, okay, so that's what's going to happen. It's Lynette and it's Simon and they are going to get Simon to take all of, uh, sorry, it's Jacqueline and Simon, and they're going to get Simon to marry Lynette, get all of Lynette's money when she dies, and then the two mm-hmm. of them are going to be end up ha- being happily ever after. And that okay. was my theory from the beginning, and I kind of shoehorned a lot of things for a while into that. Okay, got it. Yeah. That so was people my are, we're and, keeping that in mind as we yes. continue going through the story. So yes. it's interesting you say that because, uh, so I had a feeling that's what your theory was. When you were mm. talking about it, but again, we couldn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I thought it was funny because then the, the the literally the next chapter, basically all what we get from it is that Lynette meets Simon Doyle, her best friend or her good friend Jackie's fiance, and immediately is like, "I want him." Mm-hmm. Like, that was on, the line upon book, meeting each that. other. <laughs> like so, Lynette immediately so went. I my oh because like just before she said like she never liked anyone or something like that and then yeah. she was like oh but I kind of feel that way about Simon I was like Jacqueline set him up as bait <laughs> I took it more that not that like Simon Doyle was like being particularly like pleasing it was that Lynette just like wants what other people have and like mm-hmm. you know it's more about her personality where she's like a uh, entitled and so it's like Someone, yeah. someone has something that I can't have, like a fiance. I can't have them. I'll get them, like yeah. um, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Who's the rich girl? Oh, um, 
Veruca Salt. Yeah, and she's, never... she kind of is like that. Like, she wants that squirrel or whatever, and she's like, oh, I want the squirrel, and then she goes in to get it. Because there is and another line in, in the same beginning part, the same part one, where she someone asked, I can't remember, I think it was Joanna said to, to Lynette, like, oh, you you can't say you've never gotten what you wanted. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we've heard that about Lynette already. And we also already know that she's not the greatest person. No. Okay. So we, we jump from that. We're not sure what happens with that. And we jump to um, this mother and son who are in Mallorca. Is that how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I think so. And is that in Spain? Yeah, it's like some island off Spain. I know a lot of British okay. people go there, like even okay. now. So that's what that's what it is. It's Mrs. Allerton and her son, Tim Allerton. And he's, he's just gotten a, a letter from his cousin, Joanna. So this is the mm-hmm. same Joanna that's friends with Lynette. And this is where we find out that Lynette is now engaged to Simon Doyle. Yes. So she's she's done it. She's stolen the 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 husband or future husband. Yeah, fiance. We also kind of get that Mrs. Allerton really doesn't like Tim's her son's re- relation with the cousin Joanna. She doesn't like mm-hmm. that they um, are friends, and you're not too sure why. It kind of seems like she's not jealous, but that she doesn't like that her son talks to other women. Women. I don't know if that's the same impression you got. I didn't. I just found that Tim. And his mom uh, have a weird relationship. Okay. And, yeah, I didn't really get it. Because I also almost, it was like she doesn't like that they gossip. Is like, that's what I took away. Like, she doesn't like that they gossip. Mm-hmm. And that they're, like, it was almost like, I wish you were, like, dating her. But you just gossip with each other. Why? That's so annoying. Okay. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I saw it as. But, like, Yeah. And not even that she, like, doesn't like Joanna. It's that she just doesn't like that they are, like, yeah, talking to each other. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. So, Shar, I want you to get your pen and paper and everyone at home. Um, something I didn't notice until I reread is that Tim wants to go to Egypt. He says to his mother because he's won money on the stock exchange. And so now he's coming to some money. But we also find out that a guest at the same hotel they're staying at has lost a ruby ring. Mm. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm saying this to everyone. I did not think anything at the time, but now with new knowledge that I have, I think that's important. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about this later because interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll come back to it. I I did I did at least remember enough that like everyone was we're meeting a lot of people here and everyone was kind of bringing up Egypt and stuff like that. So yes, I guess. I'm no, I won't say anything now. I'll wait. This is so tough. <laughs> okay, so now we meet. We we jump over. We hop the pond, as they say, to New York, <laughs> and we meet. Yeah. We meet a girl called Cornelia Robinson, and she is being. She's been invited to go on this trip to Europe and Egypt by her rich aunt, Miss Van Schuler. Schuler. Mm. Oh no, it's Skyler. Sorry, that's no. that is that is because no. I just I have seen Hamilton and it's S C H U Y L E R E R. That's how um that's how her her name is yeah it's the Skyler sisters and if you look it up it's spelt that way. Hold on, wow. hold on. Blowing my mind here. Yeah, the Skyler sisters S C H U Y L E R. So it's Van Skyler. Okay. 
So I really, like, one, I could listen to the audiobook, or two, I need the movie to come out, like, stats so that I can hear this and see how they pronounce the it. The funny thing is, I have been reading it as Vince Schuler. I have a really bad thing when I read books where I do not, like, pronounce people's names. Um, yeah, who cares? Like, I don't, I just go, okay, those are the, uh, <laughs> those are those letters, and that's that person's name, like, I literally don't pronounce them. I read Lord of the Rings, and I didn't pronounce a single name in my head the entire time. <laughs> uh, and so I was just kind of, you know, being sure, being sure. But then I'm, that's okay. Skylar. That's so, Skylar. so then this Cornelia Robson, her rich aunt, Miss Van Skylar, is, is going to take her on this trip, and nurse there's also going to be on the trip the nurse whose name is miss mm-hmm. bowers mm-hmm. and she's been she's being asked by cornelia's mom she's like uh the, cornelia's mom is asking the nurse you're going to keep an eye on things right and she's kind of talking about miss van schuyler yeah uh, my question is is miss van schuyler with them at the time yes okay so miss van schuyler is currently in new york yeah at the same time the tim and his mom are in my I assume so. Okay, intriguing. It might be not the same time frame, because I don't know how long a boat from America, North America to Europe would take. So maybe it's a little bit earlier, because getting from my to Egypt. I'm just asking that about, the, um, about the, uh, the ruby ring that went missing, um, because I don't feel like I have the same theory as you had about that. Uh, so that was okay. my, I just wanted to work that timing out of my head. Ooh, I okay. can't wait to hear each other's theories. Because it's getting okay. so exciting. Okay. okay. So that was, that was Cornelia, Corn, the, those three women, whatever. I won't say their names again. I totally forgot that we missed them in part one. Just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we go to, we're still in New York and we meet Andrew Pennington and he yeah. is one of Lynette's trustees. So mm-hmm. I think what that means is that Lynette's father had died, leaving her a lot of money, but she was too young. And so these trustees dealt with the money until either how it works is I think until you turn a certain age or you get married. Yeah, I believe it's you don't 21. Need trustees anymore. Okay. So she's not 21 yet, but she has yeah. just gotten married. And this, uh, these trustees, Andrew Pennington, and there's another guy, but he's not in the story. They've just gotten a letter from Lynette saying she's gotten married and it's freaked them out. They're like, what are we going to do? They're worried about the firm. And so they decide that they're going to pretend that they didn't get the letter and he's going to go to Egypt, Andrew Pennington, and pretend like he's just running into Lynette and her husband. Because mm-hmm. they've, Lynette and Simon in this letter have said, we're going to Egypt on our honeymoon. So, so this is the this, this last people that we meet. I um I really want to hear them because they're it's mysterious, right? Andrew Pennington or the people I'm no, introduce the, next. Yeah, then the final people we're gonna introduce. Okay, so first of all, before before we get to that, chapter eleven is Lynette and Simon have now started their honeymoon and mm-hmm. they've sent a letter back to their lawyer in England kind of saying like how great the trip's going yada 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 and oh hey we ran into Pennington on our honeymoon like how how crazy is that so like we're we're hanging out because he's like in Egypt as well and so Mm -hmm. these lawyers in in England or in London are like Pennington's there what's going on and they kind of decide they have to send one of their own to be in Egypt as well and so he like gets on the Mm -hmm. first flight and this is a Mr. Fanthorpe Oh, it is Mr. Sam Thorpe. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't (laughs) make that connection, 
So this entire time I've been like, okay, so there's that mystery man that got sent. I don't really know who he is. It's one of the people. And I literally, I was literally about to go, okay, Caitlin. So we had this mystery man that we know he's a lawyer. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I did not catch that. And the funny part is I swear I had reread that because I went back and I was like trying to figure out. Because uh, the big thing is you didn't say this was the lawyers say on purpose that Lynette has never met Mr. Thanthorpe. Yes, you're right? right. That is important. And so, and they've that, done that on purpose. Yeah. So Lynette doesn't know that this lawyer from London is coming. And so, in my mm. head, this whole time, someone was secretly pretending oh. to not be the lawyer, but I didn't realize he was. We knew it was Mr. Thanthorpe. That okay. is. He also hilarious. It it doesn't come up too much later, but he also like tells them he's a lawyer on the trip on the boat trip. Okay, you know I miss some stuff. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, we'll get there. Like I said, I was obsessed (laughs) with Simon and Jacqueline for behind this whole thing. I was really shoehorning some things into that. (laughs) You're right, you're right. I I know that feeling. You get your your teeth hooked into something and you don't focus on anything else. So So I have a question. What do you think they're like this is what like what do you think the lawyers are freaking out about? Like and why are they sending someone? Because obviously they're upset about Mr. Pennington and Mr. Pennington's the trustee. He's on the American Mm. side. And then there's the British side with the lawyers. So, like, so, what do you, yeah, what's your opinion about this? To me, Andrew, and I don't know if I came upon this now or if I thought about it later, but I, I definitely with Andrew Pennington specifically, I'm like, that he, he wants, there's something to do with money, which because yeah. she's married, he's not a trustee anymore. Like, he's not in control of something and he wants to, like, get back in control. Okay. Yeah, so so I agreed with that. But my thing was like, why would the lawyers in London be so upset about Mr. Pennington and stuff like that? Maybe I was they know. To, yeah, just well, I mean, this now. well, Mr. Pennington to me just like is fishy in general. Like, I just don't trust like anyone that has to do with people's money. So I was just always very suspicious of him, and especially how he was like, "Oh my God, you guys are on your honeymoon." I didn't yeah. know you were married, right? Because Lynette yeah. would have been suspicious, like, oh, why did you, um, you know, literally cross an ocean to come and follow me on my honeymoon? Yeah. So I obviously thought Mr. Pennington was, like, suspicious, but I was interested about why the lawyers in London were like, oh, we have to go send someone, like, secretly. Okay, let me put See if Mr. Pennington does anything kind of thing. My My theory is, is that... If Lynette, Andrew Pennington might be able to take away some of Lynette's money. And if she's able to keep it to the lawyers in London, it will be better for them because then they get mm. to have access to her money or something. Yeah. Nope, makes sense. Okay. So maybe maybe their purpose is all about stopping whatever Andrew Pennington is thinking to do. Okay. Then that just, to me, makes Mr. Thanfor boring, but okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. know. Yeah. Okay. So the ne- then next we're introduced to the Otterborns. Is that how you pronounced it? Otterborn? And we're in Egypt now. Are we not are we in Egypt or are we in They're somewhere else. They haven't gone to Egypt yet, but right. uh they're they're also thinking to move move on to Egypt. And so it's mother and daughter. The daughter's name is Rosalie and Mrs. Otterburn Otterborn, the mother. And we don't know too much about them yet, but they seem a little weird, or the mother at least seems a little weird. Mm-hmm. That's all we kind of know so far. And one of them brings up, let's go to Egypt, right? I think I think Rosalie suggests it. Okay, the daughter. And there's there's part of it is like they're kind of, the hotel they're staying at is kind of kicking them out, so they have to move somewhere 
Anyways. Yeah, I remember now. They were on their they're on some vacation and the mom wanted yeah. her wanted to change the scenery and Rosalie was like, let's go yeah. to Egypt. Yeah. Something like that. So that was the end of part one. So we've been introduced to everyone and now we're we're starting part two and now we're in Egypt. So like the honeymoon is well underway and everyone is at this I don't know where in Egypt. I didn't write it down. But everyone is kind of converging on this one hotel in Egypt. So Tim and his mother, Mrs. Allerton, are sitting at the hotel kind of discussing some of the guests, specifically Poirot and Rosalie, who are out there, you know, walking around. Mm. And so then we kind of jump to Poirot and Rosalie talking. And they're talking as Lynette and Simon Doyle arrive at this hotel. And Rosalie is like outwardly jealous of of Lynette about you know kind of her beauty her her riches like she's kind of saying like it's not fair that some people get everything right whereas Poirot's impression is that he can clearly see that Lynette and Simon are stressed about something like they look upset that's his that's his opinion mm-hmm. so then Poirot Poirot kind of like meanders down to the bank of the river probably the Nile I would assume and <laughs> he he had kind of, when, when Lynette and Simon had arrived, he had recognized one of their voices. He felt like it sounded familiar. And when he gets to the bank, he sees Jacqueline de Belfort, and then it clicks for him because he recognizes her from the restaurant. And then he realizes that Simon, the voice, was the, was the guy. Right. And I think Lynette and Simon kind of come into the picture. Like, they come down to the bank, too. And when they recognize that Jacqueline de Belfort is there, they get super upset at seeing her, I think. Yeah. Granted. And so in the book, I can't remember exactly what I was thinking at this time, but just mm-hmm. being like, ah, oh, that's, I, I feel like I liked Jacqueline and I didn't like Lynette. And so this is kind of upsetting because it's like, oh, screw this girl for <laughs> taking, taking the other guy, the other girl's yeah. fiance. When I saw that Jacqueline was in Egypt, I went, aha, they are planning something. <laughs> I was right, like, yeah. yes. Jacqueline and Simon, they're together. Now they get to do their plan. And I almost, in the moment, because remember when she she said, and we'll still get to have our honeymoon in Egypt. I was like, oh my gosh. Agatha Christie's being so, like, saucy. It's some weird (laughs) thing that, uh, like, some weird kink that Jacqueline has of, like, (laughs) knowing that, like, ooh, I, like, get to see my, like, my man with someone else. Like, this is their honeymoon. Like, that's how I remember reading this this entire time. And she's probably so wrong. (laughs) But I was like, okay, Jacqueline's there, so now they can can do something, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that all happens, and then I think – People have dinner, and then after dinner, most people kind of go out on the terrace um, and are starting to kind of get introduced to each other and acquainted. So, you know, people are sitting with each other, there's tables kind of breaking off. I think Poirot sits with Mrs. Otterborn and Rosalie and uh, Lynette and Simon and Andrew uh, Pennington, sorry, and maybe some other people are off on another table. And Rosalie is acting very curt. She seems kind of very not engaged maybe a little rude and mrs audubon is kind of like we find out that she's an author and she's like forcing her latest book down poro's throat like she's like Mm -hmm. okay you copy you have to read it it's so good and so that's her that now we're kind of like understanding her personality a little more she writes she likes to write about sex and kind Mm -hmm. of like romantic novels that's like her style Um, what's the book called like under the fig tree yeah something like that uh, and she was writing something about like snow on a desert was her 
new book. Mm, yes. So picture that. And then, so everyone's sitting out on the terrace and then Jacqueline de Belfort comes in or comes out onto the terrace and totally disturbs the atmosphere. And she doesn't do anything. She literally just sits there, but it clearly disrupts Lynette's like enjoyment and so Lynette has to like move her position the table so that she can't see Jacqueline and Jacqueline kind of just sits there smirking because she knows what her effect is and pleased Mm. with it so two things yes if Jacqueline I will say and this is like one thing I like and why I have been leaving my mind open that it's not Jacqueline and Simon throughout the book Jacqueline and Simon if they are in fact in this together they are like at least described as really good actors because like Mm. there's no there's no weird reaction or anything like that yeah so every time like Jacqueline comes in she's like smirking or whatever and then like yeah Simon Simon's really upset about it so neither of them slip up at all yeah and so that that leads me to think it's okay maybe you know they're not you know (laughs) (laughs) they're not in this together doesn't mean one of them isn't one of them could be but maybe they're not mm-hmm. in this together. And also, mm-hmm. then, this makes Simon a jerk for just going on the exact same honeymoon that he had planned with yeah. Jacqueline. And yeah. it makes Jacqueline, like, I totally see why she's so upset. Yeah. So in the in the book, I, this comes up later, but I don't think I wrote it down. Poirot and Simon are talking and he's kind of like, why did you come to Egypt? And Simon says, well, I didn't want to, but Lynette did. And he doesn't say so much, but he's kind of like, what Lynette wants, Lynette gets. Mm-hmm. I took that as um, that Simon telling that part of the story. So mm-hmm, yeah. we never hear Lynette say she wants to come yeah. to Egypt. That could be Simon just telling Poirot that. True. So after dinner, later in the evening, Lynette approaches Poirot and it's kind of like, can we talk alone? And he says, sure. And she basically says, I want to hire you, to which he goes, uh, I'm on vacation. Sorry, but no, like. No How many times has he ever said that? Like so many times. Every book. He basically, <laughs> he basically is like working for like the first five books. And then he's on, he's like retired for the rest of the mm-hmm. series. <laughs> So Jacqueline, sorry, so Lynette wants to, like, she's kind of telling him, Jacqueline's been following us around everywhere we go. Like, we were we were in this place, and Jacqueline was there. And then we, like, left to this place, and when we got there, Jacqueline was already there. So she's very disturbed about this. And she wants, the reason she wanted to hire Poirot is to basically be like, can you get her to stop? And Poirot kind of shows her that legally he can't. Like, she's not doing anything wrong. She hasn't threatened them verbally in any way. And... Poirot kind of advises Lynette that the reason she's so bothered about this is because she feels guilty and she knows what she did is wrong in the sense of like mm-hmm. stealing Jacqueline's fiance. And this clearly pisses off Lynette. She's really upset that anyone would suggest such a thing. And of course it's not true. And she kind of says, um, Simon didn't love Jacqueline. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not my fault that he fell in love with me. He didn't like her anyways. So like this was bound to happen eventually. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because that is also how Poirot saw it when he overheard them in the cafe, right? Yeah. He yeah, saw he, it as he felt like Simon didn't have the same feelings for Jacqueline as Jacqueline. Had yeah, that was his oppression. So I'm not sure if it was exactly here, but it was somewhere around these chapters that I started to think, okay, I should start formulating an opinion on these characters. And when I like mm-hmm. to think about when I'm thinking about who 
who's gonna like be a murderer who murdered the person it's like motive right like who has motive and so of course who has motive to kill obviously Lynette hasn't died and we don't know that she's gonna die but Mm -hmm. based on like reading the back of the book you kind of feel like she's gonna die I assumed she was gonna die but she didn't die for a long time yes (laughs) I was like oh my god maybe she isn't gonna die (laughs) do I need to be thinking Lynette's the murderer oh my goodness (laughs) So based on the assumption, also, I feel like Agatha Christie does a pretty good job of whoever she kills, she doesn't make them likable. Mm. Interesting. I've never noticed that. Yeah, she not either that or she, she, she doesn't make them not likable necessarily. She just doesn't make them likable. Like the characters you really like probably aren't going to die mm-hmm. for the most part. So I'm thinking Lynette's going to die. And so I'm thinking who's going to benefit from that. And of course, I jumped to Simon, who gains all of Lynette's money, Simon Doyle. And so kind of similar to you, I go, Jacqueline and Simon are in on it. They're doing this together. Okay, so you got this too. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And So so why did you think Jacqueline was in on it? Because she, because of the way she set them up, because the way she like went to Lynette and was like, Mm -hmm. you need to hire my husband. You have to, or my, not my husband. You have to hire my fiance. I was like, okay that must have been planned like this was on purpose yes now that like we both think this I'm like it's not true then <laughs> I don't know <sighs> I know right because you she's like egg of the Christie like makes you think something yeah okay I'm, I'm happy we'll, we'll think this because later in the, the book we can see if that changes on you or stuff well I'll, yeah, I'll say this. Charlotte and I have kind of talked about this, but I think both of us have expressed that our original thoughts on what it was going to happen changes significantly mm-hmm. throughout the book. I don't know if that's still true, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it's so, a lot happens in this book. Yeah, it's always a good one. <laughs> so yeah, so I, now I'm kind of on the same page as you, like at this point in the book where I start seeing everything from the perspective of Jacqueline and Simon and are in on it together. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, and that's, it's going to be a little bit how I've read the book. Again, neither Charlotte and I have read The Solution. And so we might leave out important points just because we did get kind of both of us focused in on this, this one storyline. So if it's yeah. not these people. And it's also like the main storyline. That's true. That's true. So back to this discussion that, sorry, that What's-Her-Face was having with, Lynette is having with Poirot. Lynette yeah. says, or Poirot says, Jacqueline wasn't threatening you, so there's nothing you can do. But yeah. that, is it Lynette who changes her story and says, yes, Jacqueline has threatened me? Or is it Simon who says that later? I don't think it's either. So in the next chapter, Jacqueline says that she threatened them. So Lynette is either Jacqueline lied about that or Lynette just omitted that fact when she told Poirot? I think Poirot? it's possible that Jacqueline says to Poirot that she like had told that. Like, I think she... Here, let me just read the next chapter and then we can discuss it. Like, go through the next okay. chapter. So Poirot goes to speak to Jacqueline. He finds her wherever on the hotel grounds. And he does try and convince her to go away. And I don't think it's so much that he's like, Lynette asked him to. And so he's doing it. I think he recognizes it, that there's danger. Like, evil is mm-hmm. present. And so he wants to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of tells her as such. He's like, if you if you open your heart to evil, evil will come. Yeah. I really like that line. Yeah. I almost like wrote it down. <laughs> well, maybe I'll put the quote on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so she she gets really mad at him because he's kind of saying like they're like you know they're they're together now. There's nothing you can do about it. And she's kind of saying that Lynette stole 
Simon from her that Simon and her have loved each other. And I think um, Poirot kind of tries to go, did you guys, did he really love you? And she pushes mm -hmm. back and is like, yes, he loved me. I know he loved me. And then she shows him her gun. She has like a little pistol in her handbag. Yeah. And she says that she had wanted to shoot both of them. And so this is where I think she says that she had threatened them. But in mm -hmm. my mind, it easily could have been in her head she was threatening them or she was thinking about right. it. And it said that she had, but she might actually not have. Mm -hmm. And so as she's kind of doing this whole like drama, like this, this thing, she says, she kind of like looks over her shoulder and is like, is someone listening? I see someone there. And Hercule Poirot, like he looks, doesn't see anything. And she said, um, Jacqueline says they're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. Did she see someone? I think at the time when I was reading it, like in this chapter, mm -hmm. I thought, yes, she had seen someone. I thought Jacqueline is a liar. And Jen was just saying that. She, yeah, okay. But now I'm like, mm, maybe she did. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's also confusing. Yeah. I, I don't know who it would have been, though. Yeah, no. I, I I did think at the time there was someone there. But I I'm probably, if I'm honest, I think my mind jumped to Simon Doyle. But for no reason. Mm. Interesting. It was just like, I guess, in like. In my mind, life. it went to Tim Allerton. Mm, okay but we're both thinking men we're not thinking women yeah because in the she's she says it's a man right but we've we've seen that before where someone specifically says a man because they're covering for a woman mm, right so keep that in mind okay so the next morning simon goes for a walk to town with paro and he kind of he's he's telling paro how he didn't like he didn't like how much Jacqueline had cared for him. Like he felt like she was too in love with him and that had put him off. Like he had found it oppressing. That's his side I of it. Rule. I rule. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I think this I, is when I started to not like Simon. I was like, geez. <laughs> I mean, he already sucks because it's either he's a murderer or he's not a murderer and he's just taking the same like honeymoon or he just sucks. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think I read like out loud those quotes to Michael of him being like, you know, if a woman like you just want your, what did he call it? Like he basically was calling her like a piece of property mm. or saying like, you know, like you want, well, I forget what he said, but it was something very misogynistic. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so he's talked through that. Then he also explains to Paro how he has secretly booked a ticket on the Karnak, which is like a boat that goes on like a river cruise from mm -hmm. Shalal to Wake Halfa. And I 100% am mispronouncing those names, but it's two towns in Egypt. Along the Nile. Yep. Yep. And so the idea is that that wasn't their original plan. They're not telling anyone that they're, they're going to be on this boat. And that way Jacqueline can't possibly know that... Mm -hmm that they're on this boat and she won't be able to join. And so my thoughts, and maybe you have the same one, is that he's telling Poirot this because he's like setting Poirot up. Do you know what I mean? To be, yeah, to be surprised. Yeah. So my, my yeah. thing is like Simon Doyle is clearly going to tell Jacqueline because they're working together. And Yeah, my opinion was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like they, she's already going to know. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. But also say it, it wasn't them say it, it wasn't Simon and uh, Jacqueline, then mm -hmm. they're being truthful. If he's being truthful that it was a surprise and no one should know, mm -hmm. then the murder couldn't have been that premeditated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So that's an interesting thing to think about other people. So this is, I, this will come up very shortly, and I, it's kind of on the track that you're saying. If Simon didn't tell anyone, why is Andrew Pennington on the boat? Yeah. And why, why is that other lawyer? Yeah, Mr. Fanthorpe. Yeah, Fanthorpe. Why is he on the boat? Like, neither of them should know, and they're both following Lynette and Simon. I took it as that they told Andrew Pennington to come, because I don't know why. And then I also forgot that Mr. Fanthorpe, like, existed, so. Okay. <laughs> I'm also just having this thought now. But also, maybe it wasn't super premeditated. Yeah, I do have some theories about that later, so. Okay. We'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. So then, uh, Simon also kind of explains the presence of Pennington to Poirot. So we, we already know this. We know that Pennington showed up purposefully pretending to be unexpected, but Poirot doesn't know that. And so he's getting that explanation. Oh, I, I took it as he, he realized immediately that Poirot realized that Pennington's, okay, like a lot in the books, Poirot will say something where he'll go, oh, huh. And then didn't he say that about what he said? Didn't he say something like, oh, you came on that boat? That's later. That's later in the book. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, so that's later, and I think I think he knows that because he, I like he didn't even know Pennington was necessarily a lawyer at this point, and Simon's explained all of that. So now he has the background, and so yes, now Poirot will go and make those kind of questioning accusations later. Okay. So whatever day this is now, the next day, the same day, Poirot goes on kind of like a a, a short cruise to an island nearby, like a day trip type thing. And he's enjoying talking to another one of the guests, an Italian called Signor Rochetti. Mm. So they're they're having a nice chat. And then he he leaves him and goes, Mrs. Allerton is also on this small island. I think she's doing some sketches. And so Poirot goes to sit with her. And she's kind of super excited to meet Poirot. And she, mm. she somehow Joanna Southwood, the, the cousin of Tim Allerton's, who's also friends with Lynette, mm. Joanna is brought up and... Mrs. Allerton kind of unprovoked gets like expresses how she doesn't like Joanna, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I think this, this is important to mention, I'm not saying I thought it was important at the time, but that ring that went missing in Mallorca is brought up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just significant that it's brought up a second time. How was it brought up a second time? I, I, I completely missed this ring. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Miss Allerton says that the woman who had lost the ring had been talking about uh, Hercule Poirot and saying if he was here, he would have found the ring for her. And so Hercule Poirot... But we don't know who this woman is. No. Okay. We don't know who the woman is. I'm going to say I don't think it's important. Okay, okay. It could be, because I don't know the answer, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay, sorry. What are you thinking? I I don't know, I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm making some thoughts about this ring, like as we were going along, that I'll say yeah. when the I think the time is important. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because yeah. I didn't have these thoughts when I was reading it. I'm just, I'm just bringing them up now because I want to mention mm-hmm. them in the future. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they they kind of discuss how different guests that are on this trip would do mur- a murder or like what their reasoning would be, and so Paro kind of gets into. Uh, motives for murder of course there's money there's love mm-hmm. lust whatever and then he kind of brings up the idea about a person a killing a person b because it benefits a person c i think mm-hmm. that's what so it's like mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't do it for themselves they did it for someone else mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if that's supposed to be like what Poirot was thinking or if that's like a red herring. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. And then everyone from that hotel travels to the Karnak, which is the boat or the ship that they're taking this river cruise on. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets onto the boat. There's a whole process of getting there that I don't think is that important. And mm-hmm. the last people to get on the boat are the Doyles. And they look super happy. They're like, you know, we've gotten rid of Jacqueline. We did it. Jacqueline had been talking about how she was going on like a donkey ride that day. So they're like, perfect. We got rid of her. And so they're Mm -hmm. looking super happy and they've come out on deck. And I think they're kind of expressing how lovely it is when Jacqueline comes out onto the deck and goes, oh, Lynette, I didn't realize you'd be on the boat. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. This is why I'm saying is like everyone from that hotel all got on this boat. So they really didn't didn't think (laughs) that. Yeah. I know. They could have picked a better excursion, I guess. Yeah. Or it was all in the plans all along. Who knows? True. Moral of the story, Jack and Sandman. So then later that day, Poirot is out on the deck and Lynette comes out on her own and she says that she's super afraid and that everyone hates her. Of course, except for Simon, of course. Mm -hmm. Which I think is significant. I'm not exactly sure why, but there you go. Well, we kind of find out later a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So at dinner, Mrs. Allerton is telling Tim that she's asked Poirot to sit with them because it's like, you know, it's a cruise. So you have like assigned seating type thing. Mm -hmm. And he gets really upset. Like he's mad that she would invite him and kind of like you get the feeling he doesn't like Poirot, even though I don't know that they've really met. It's very weird. Yeah, I think um, this is suspicious. (laughs) I agree. And while I was reading it, I thought it was suspicious, but I didn't know why. But I feel like we might, I like might be able to think about it when we've gotten to the end and kind of like form. Yeah, maybe. I didn't really think anything of it either until I realized how many times it's like he brings up that he doesn't like him. Yes, that's true. Um, This this is something that comes up. Right, like it's brought up a lot. So it's one of those things. Right now, I'm like, oh, every single time. Tim <laughs> mentions or like talks with Perot, it's in disgust. Yeah. So at dinner, Miss Salerton's kind of trying to like make light of the mood because her son is being kind of a jerk about having to sit with Poirot. And so she goes through the, the guest list that they've been given and they're trying to like find at dinner who everyone is based on their name. And so we've been introduced to most of the people. The um, There's Mrs. Allerton and her son, son Tim. There are Simon and Lynette Doyle. There are mm-hmm. the Otterborns, Rosalie and her mother, Mrs. Otterborn. There's Jacqueline de Belfort. There's uh, Cornelia, her aunt, Miss Van Schuyler, and the nurse, Miss Bowers, that they're on the boat. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, two lawyers, Andrew, what's his last name? Pennington. Pennington. Mm-hmm. Andrew Pennington and Mr. What's his name? Fanthorpe. Man, I cannot remember his name. Mr. Fanthorpe. <laughs> then we have, there's a Dr. Besner. I don't think we've been introduced to him yet, but he's a German doctor. Mm-hmm. We have Signor Ruschetti, the Italian guy, um, who I think is like a professor. And then we have a um, Mr. Ferguson, who... Mm-hmm kind of seems like an anti-capitalist or like communist it's like how he's described and his like clothes are like really grubby and trashy not trashy but like so that that goes on at dinner so later that night 
Poirot like passes by Jacqueline out on the deck and he feels sorry for her for her because it's like he told her if you open your heart to evil evil will come mm-hmm. and he's kind of going the, you've passed the point of no return like you're on the boat now mm-hmm. evil is here mm-hmm. so the next day it's a, it's a cruise so the way it, like kind of the way it works is every day they make a stop and there's kind of like you can leave the boat on excursion that's been like planned for you so the next day they all are allowed to leave the boat if they want and Cornelia, the the American girl, is super excited. And I think that's all we kind of get from that. She's very happy to be doing something. <laughs> she's, we haven't described it as such, but her aunt is very oppressive in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like she's basically, she's asked this girl, Cornelia, who's a poor relation on this trip and is kind of treating her like a servant. Like, yeah. you know, do what I say. Uh, and you know, it doesn't really seem like she asked her on this trip from the goodness of her heart. It's more like you can be of a service to me more. Yeah. Like they even described it as Mrs. Allison not knowing who this like the, the nurse was because she was treating Cornelia yes. so poorly. Yeah, they, they describe her as being like a dog, like uh yeah, yeah not she's not well described mm-hmm. in that sense. So later in the day, when they're back on the ship, Pennington tells Lynette that he needs her signature on a few things. And so this is where we're like, oh, he's mm-hmm. making moves. So he, he goes and gets the papers, and Lynette says that she always reads everything thoroughly before she signs. And Simon kind of goes that if he just if he was being asked to sign somewhere, he'd just sign wherever someone told him to. And so there, that's going on. And I think, you know, they're flipping through the pages and Lynette's carefully reading everything. And Mr. Fanthorpe has been mm-hmm. kind of hanging around. And so he cuts in kind of awkwardly and says that he really admires Lynette's business-like capacity and that he's a lawyer and he appreciates it. And so yeah. that's, it's a super weird thing, but it kind of causes this uh, this pause. And so Pennington then says, you know what, we can sign the rest of the papers later. You don't need to do it now. Yeah, so um, that makes perfect sense because Mr. Fanthorpe is the guy from London. That was my realization. (laughs) I was like, right, Mr. Fanthorpe. I made a note that that was Mr. Fanthorpe who said that um, because then I was trying to decide, like, who is this mystery person from London? But of course. (laughs) I love how you've, like, created this extra mystery for yourself. Literally, I'm not even kidding. I was all excited to be like, okay, so we have the mysteries. Uh, yeah um there's definitely side stories but that's not one of them (laughs) I'm not even kidding I was so like I thought of the side story that like wasn't even the side story yeah um okay I think this is very important moment so clearly Mr. Pennington is a jerk like is a horrible lawyer like you know or like a sleazy lawyer yeah a trustee right so there was definitely something in those papers do you think she signed it already? And then that's why he was kind of okay? Like, I know, no. obviously. You don't think so. You think she would have seen it, for sure. Kind of I think he's recognizing, like, I need to be better. Like, I need to hide this better. Because, yeah, she's reading everything. Okay. I think the and fact that also- the focus is on, like, she's, like, being very, like, careful. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to miss something. Yeah. And then, obviously, Simon says the, I'll sign anything. And you're like, oh, Mr. Pennington's like, well, we know who we want to sign our papers. I wonder, can Simon sign anything while Lynette is still alive? I don't know enough about the, like, lawyer stuff 
ness. I don't either. I don't know about that legally. I want to say like, no. I want to okay, say no for money. Yeah, because I was like the rest of the time thinking like I wonder if we're ever going to see a scene where Pennington's getting Simon, Simon to sign something yeah, or something like that. Yeah. I want to say no, but I, d- I don't know. It could be okay. significant in that way. So then I think whoever leaves the room and Mr. Ferguson makes some like super communist comments about how like it's ridiculous that Lynette has so much money and it's mm-hmm. dumb. And I, I think he like rags on Miss Van Schuyler as well. I don't know. I didn't write it down what he said, but yeah, he, he does that a lot. He does it a lot. Exactly. Like that's his personality. I don't think that exactly what he is saying necessarily is significant. So after that, um, I think Mrs. Otterborn kind of like stumbles out of her room and we, uh, Hercule Poirot runs into her and like gets her back to bed. And so we kind of recognize at this point that Mrs. Otterburn might have an, like, she might be an alcoholic. She might have an alcohol problem. And maybe that's why, I don't know if you were thinking this, but it's like, maybe that's why Rosalie or Rosalie, her daughter is kind of so. Yeah, I was not thinking this at that point. I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I went so far, but it kind of was like, the fact that Hercule Poirot then goes to get Rosalie and is like, hey, you should check on your mother it's kind of mm. like, and then she goes from like, she's laughing and then she immediately stops laughing and gets all mm. upset. Like, okay, something, there's something yeah. that's, that's maybe why she, you're right. It kind of gets more into it later, but it's definitely hinting at it at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely hinting at it. Like, definitely, yeah. So then this is, this is where you were talking about before. The next day, Poirot on their excursion thoroughly questions Pennington about his boat ride from America to Europe. So this is where, you know, he's asking, like, oh, I knew some people on that boat. Like, you didn't happen to meet them. <laughs> uh, and Pennington avoids all the questions. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in the same excursion, Dr. Besner, the German doctor, is explaining everything to Cornelia, who is, like, listening attentively. And then I think she gets called away to go be with Miss Van Schuyl, uh, Schuyler. And so mm-hmm. it's this, like, I think someone mentions she never, she's never talking. She's always listening. Interesting. Okay. Then uh, after they've they've listened to the guide talking, Lynette and Simon go kind of just to like sunbathe, like they want to get away from the touristy things. And so they have their backs to the cliff and are looking Mm -hmm. out on the river when all of a sudden people start kind of yelling at them. And Simon kind of comes out of his daydream and recognizes what's happening, which is that a boulder is rolling down the hill or the cliff. And he pulls Lynette and himself out of the way and the boulder rolls right by where they were sitting. Mm -hmm. So... What were you thinking when that happened? Do you remember? Yeah, so I was thinking, well, first, the first thing I was thinking is they describe Lynette as being, like, very sleepy. And so, right, like, it wasn't she supposed yes. to be, like, yeah. So I almost she thought. Was, like, half was asleep. She, yeah, I was, like, was she drugged? Did mm. someone drug her and, like, hope that mm-hmm. she'd fall asleep? But that's a lot of, you know, nice planning. And yeah. then I immediately thought, where's Jacqueline? Yeah. Which obviously what were, what were you thinking because my so my kind of thoughts at the time were like pushing a rock down a hill is a messy way like it's not guaranteed and also you I, I if I was thinking from the point of view that Simon and Jacqueline are planning this together Simon easily could have been hurt as well and mm-hmm. so I was like if it is Jacqueline and Simon maybe they did it on purpose to kind of like 
start start it going but they didn't want anyone to get hurt at the time it was just like a put the put the idea in people's heads that someone was after Lynette or Simon and then the other thing that came to mind for me was you'll remember the book I did months ago Peril at End House Mm -hmm. as well that the girl in that book pushes a bold like she pushes a boulder down to make it look like someone was trying to kill her yeah um I might immediately jump to that as like the same the same kind of thing happening I was I was just thinking it would be like a really like a lot of timing if it was Simon and Jacqueline because like you said like Simon could have gotten hurt himself they would have had been standing in like the right location you almost would have had to scout that out ahead of time definitely yeah oh there's this giant rock like when would they have done that yeah so I was almost thinking huh but honestly now that now I'm thinking about it it still could be Jacqueline and Simon because I'm not going to let that go. But mm-hmm. maybe that was someone else. Maybe that mm-hmm. was, maybe this was like, maybe there's a couple people trying to kill Lynette. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I was definitely not having that thought at the time, but I will say I have that thought later in the book. Mm. Yeah, this Something is the thought like... I'm happening now. I'm having now. It's like, okay. a, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe this was just someone else trying to. Yeah. So let's, let's come back to that. Let's like put, you know, remember the rock. We're going to yeah. come back to it later. Okay. So, so Simon's like pissed off and you can kind of tell from his mood that he's, he's, he's kind of going like, where's Jackie? Like he's pissed mm-hmm. that she would try and hurt them, but they get to the boat like because they're bringing Lynette back. Cause she's like, she needs to go lay down kind of thing. And Jacqueline is just coming off the boat. She's kind of, mm-hmm. and so they're basically like, it couldn't have been her. Yeah, because there's no way she could have got from the top of the cliff to the boat in that in yeah. that time. So when I saw Jacqueline, now yeah. I immediately thought, no, it couldn't have been Jacqueline. Like it, yeah. it, it to me, it was like, nope, couldn't have been Jacqueline. Wouldn't have been Simon. I'm still suspicious of them, but I don't think it this, could, I don't think she I don't yeah. think she could have made the the boat in time. I don't think so either. And I think people would have seen you running down the cliff. Like it, yeah. it doesn't, we don't know what this layout looks like, but it sounds like it's pretty barren. Like there's not mm-hmm. too many trees. I don't think there'd be a lot of cover. Also, I don't it. it literally could have been an accident. Not like anything ever is an accident. It gets, it gets a Christmas, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, uh-huh. it could have been an accident. I'm just okay. saying. Yeah, it's possible. It could have been. So the next day, there's a new expedition, and Senor Rochetti is adamant that he's going to do his own thing. And I think the cruise really tries to persuade him not to, because it looks bad if one person goes off and does their own thing. Everyone will want to do it, but he perseveres. Mm-hmm. And so they're on the excursion. They come back to the boat, and Lynette gets a telegram. She opens it up and is immediately confused. And she's like, what is this? What are potatoes, beetroots? What are they talking about, Simon? And he looks over his shoulder when Signor Rochetti rips it out of her hands and goes, that was for me. And mm-hmm. gets he's really pissed off. Like, he's not forgiving her, even though Lynette's trying to say, like, oh, I'm so sorry. My my name before I was married was Ridgeway, Ridgeway and Rochetti. Like, they just look similar. No, they don't. I don't. No, they don't. I think Lynette just is, like, this this personality of, like, everything's for me. And so yeah. it started with an like. It, it, it could have said it could have been empty like not said anything and she would have opened it I feel like yeah. so what did you think of this because obviously this is a side story yeah so at the time I will say that this like, like again put another like pinpoint in this mm-hmm. at the time I was thinking senior Rochetti seemed really happy-go-lucky before this doesn't fit mm. 
but I don't know why. What did you think? I just thought, this is definitely a side story. I'm bad at guessing side stories. Why would someone <laughs> be like, beats what? Instead of thinking yeah. like a code, I was thinking maybe it's a code. Mm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just figured it's probably something. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it in that capacity. I kind of, uh, like, this, this seems off. This seems significant. I don't know why. Okay. So, uh, later, sometime on the boat, Jacqueline's again on the hanging off the railway, and she tells Paro that she's upset that they don't care anymore. And so this has happened at some point mm-hmm. where Lynette has kind of come, to, and I think Simon tells Paro this. She's kind of come to this realization that she's facing Jacqueline that they're not going to let her bother them anymore. They're just going to enjoy themselves, and they're kind of kind of show her that she's being ridiculous. And mm-hmm. so Jacqueline is kind of saying she's upset that they're not mad anymore and she's kind of going i'm gonna make them mad Mm. that type of idea yeah so i i don't know if i had any theories about what she's gonna do oh yeah i didn't know so we'll we'll just leave that but keep that in mind and then Mm -hmm. next exciting thing is that colonel race arrives yeah. So we'll we'll remember from the podcast, Colonel Race was on the man in the brown suit. He was kind of a potential Secret Service agent in that. Uh, he appears in a couple other books in this one, and he he kind of goes. To, he's talking to Poirot because they recognize each other. They've met before, and he tells Poirot that there is a there were a couple of leaders behind a some riots or like a revolution i think in egypt or maybe somewhere around that area and that all but one had been killed and that the government had reason to suspect that that last person was on this boat mm-hmm. so that's why he's on the boat yeah and this guy's a, the person's a murderer yeah he's right? a murderer that's what, that's yeah, what, that's what that. says. like he has he has five murders or something like that you're right like it's a Correct. dangerous person mm-hmm so when this was brought up, I don't know that I had any thoughts about who it could be. I feel like now I'm looking at everyone and I'm kind of like checking them off about like who it couldn't be or who I think it couldn't be based on mm. their involvement in other areas of the story. So to me, it's not Simon and Lynette. It's not Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's either of the Allertons. I think they've got their own things going on. Yeah. I don't think it's Andrew Pennington, because, again, I feel like he's got his own thing. I don't think it's the other lawyer, Fanthorpe. Fanthorpe, yeah. So you think Ferguson? It could be Ferguson. I It could be Dr. Besner, and it could be yeah. Senor Rochetti. And I feel like I lean towards him now. I don't know that I was leaning towards him when I was reading it in this part of the book. Yeah, so when I was at this part of the book, I was like, this could be any person. Well, first of all, I assumed it was a man. True, I did too. I'm pretty sure race says it's a man, but we know that that could mean it's a woman. But I find it interesting that that Agatha Christie would have like a cold blooded murderer person, like woman. Like, I don't know. Yeah. To me, I don't know. She has had that before. That wouldn't. I feel like I have read kind of like spy themed novels of hers that are like that. Okay. So that wouldn't be impossible. So I immediately thought man, and I literally was like anyone. I'm just gonna let. Anyone. I was like, maybe it is Simon Doyle. For all we know, Simon Doyle is going to turn out to be like some real sketchy character because we don't actually know that much about him. We don't know how long Jacqueline and Simon have been together. He's only been in Lynette's life like four months. You're right. I guess I was more thinking like they have their own story going on, but there's no reason they can't interconnect. So then I thought, oh, it's definitely Tim. It's Tim. Mm. It's who I decided. I thought it was. If okay. I feel I like Tim the... is around his mother too much. Like, if, if Tim's involved, mm-hmm. his mom has to be involved. True. 
I thought the obvious people would obviously be Besner, Ferguson, or Rochetti. Yeah, because they're kind of on their own. Yeah, and also they're kind of mysterious. Like, that telegram could have been a secret code for Rochetti. Yeah. Right? It could have been, like, something like, oh, uh, they're on to you or something, and that's what the carrots meant or something like that. Like, that they're mentioned in the same chapter as well. It might be, it could be Christy kind of trying to get you to connect to those dots, maybe. Mm. And then the other weird thing I thought Ferguson, because he has all those communist things, they didn't say what kind of riots yeah. these were. You're right. But then that I was like, maybe that's too obvious. But that yeah. I thought, I thought maybe, maybe that's Ferguson. what you're supposed to think, but it's not the yeah. answer. <laughs> so confusing. So, Char, we are getting to the good part. Like, yes, kind of where spoilers, everything but... went out the window. <laughs> okay, I. I want to say anything but i don't think so completely well hold up hey. we're, we're gonna get to it okay <laughs> we are gonna, gonna get, get to it i have so many opinions okay we're gonna get to it <laughs> okay so cornelia and mr ferguson the communist dude are in the temple together so that was like the excursion of the day was this this temple and they've gone back in the evening and they're like really disagreeing with each other and I'm kind of noting this because when I read it the first time, I didn't remember this happening. I don't know that Me it's neither. important, but, but I didn't remember sense. it. Yeah. And now I'm like, yeah, okay, so I should write that down. So they're like, they're disagreeing with each other about like, he's being super communist and she's being like, your ideas are also ridiculous. Why do you think that? Like, why, why do you think so terribly of every person? Whereas she kind of has a more optimistic view of things. Mm-hmm. So that goes on. And then when she gets back on the boat, Miss Van Schuyler kind of like makes a big deal of her not being there and being late to get back on the boat and also gets her to help her try and find her stole her velvet stole do you know what that is i looked it up up. nope okay i looked it up um it's like a shawl or cape or something like that i yeah there was a couple things in this book i had to look up oh yeah Yeah. so so mrs miss van schuyler has lost her or her stole her shawl her whatever has gone missing and so they're looking for it that will be important in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so every kind of the whole boat or all the uh, first class passengers are sitting in the lounge at the front of the boat. And they're, you know, some people are knitting, there's people reading books. Uh, there's four people that are playing bridge, kind of like that kind of idea going on. And slowly people start to go to bed and Poirot specifically he he seems very 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 sleepy and you know like super falling asleep and i i don't know if you thought the same thing but when i read this mm-hmm. in the book the fact that they the book described how sleepy he was yeah made me think did has he been drugged yeah i thought that too but didn't a lot of other people i totally forgot about this now but didn't a lot of people describe themselves as sleepy I, maybe, I don't know time. if at this point or maybe it was after the fact like the next I think morning. it was later when they were talking like they were interviewing yeah. everyone they, yeah. a lot of people described themselves as sleepy not everyone but a lot of people did but I did notice that about Poirot yeah so Poirot is definitely describing it the night of like saying how tired he was and so he's heading to bed and he sees Jacqueline and he describes in the, in the book it's described as after the fact he would remember that look as he would remember her face from that moment as he's mm-hmm. going to bed, but he didn't act on it at the time because he was so sleepy. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is Cornelia comes back 
her, like Miss Van Schuyler and the nurse, Miss Bowers, have gone to bed. I think Cornelia re- originally went with them, but she's come back into the lounge with a book and she's sitting down. And the people, I think the the four people playing bridge, they, I think Lynette kind of says that she's tired. She's going to go to bed. No, no, no. It's not. Sorry. That doesn't happen yet. Okay. I'll admit I have stopped writing about things now. So this is my memory. Okay, so Cornelia has come in to the lounge with her book, and she she sits reading, and I think Jacqueline then comes into the room and orders a double gin and sits mm-hmm. with Cornelia and kind of tells Cornelia, tell me all about yourself. And this mm-hmm. is the most Cornelia has ever talked because Jacqueline just keeps asking her, no, tell me more. Tell, don't stop. Tell me more. And it's described as Simon Doyle kind of keeps looking over at her because she's drinking this double gin. I think she might order a second one. At some point during all of this, Lynette says that she's tired. She wants, she stops playing bridge and goes to bed. Simon Doyle had been kind of clearly very distracted and had been not doing well at the game Mm because he's focused on, on uh, Jacqueline. Then at some point, everyone has left the room, the lounge, except for Cornelia, who Jacqueline is kind of forcing to stay. Cornelia keeps going like, I think I should go to bed now. And Jacqueline's going, no, you need, I need another woman here. I need another woman here. Mm-hmm. The other person that's still in the room is Mr. Fanfar, yep. the lawyer, and Doyle is sticking around. And so the feeling, the feeling that it's portraying is that Doyle is worried about Jackie, doesn't want her to do anything dumb. And so is like kind of watching out for her. Like he doesn't want to go to bed. But he also Mm -hmm. doesn't want to, like, give her attention. Mm. Jackie has started, like, kind of, she's now, like, four gins in and Mm -hmm. is starting to kind of, like, talk about how bad Simon was to her and starting to kind of cause a scene. Meanwhile, continuously saying, no, Cornelia, you can't leave. You can't leave. Mr. Thanthorpe gets up to leave. He He's doing it as if. Oh, my God. It was the best line. (laughs) He's saying that he, like, you know. He's like, you know, looking at the, t- like making this like show of yeah. looking at the time and going to bed. But really, he, it's he like said, he doesn't he want to be around it. No, they said, okay, I got this. He said, okay. Uh, he was reading his book. He like yawned, looked at his watch, went, oh, and got up. And they went, it was so utterly British, but it didn't fool anyone <laughs> or like it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, so he does that. And then there's, you know, more of a spat. And then Jackie stands up and pulls out her pistol and kind mm-hmm. of goes, no, if I can't have you, no one else should. And I think Simon tries to talk her down, but she shoots him. Yep. And so Cornelia screams out. I think she she runs out in, onto the deck and calls back Mr. Fanthorpe, who luckily is not too mm-hmm. far. I think he comes into the room and we see that Simon Doyle has just been shot in the leg. So he hasn't been fatally wounded that we know of yet. Mm-hmm. So so what I thought I had read was something about Cornelia mentioning the what the blood looked like on Simon <gasps> Doyle's leg. Yes. But I can't okay. remember if... Did that happen? Uh, or am I... Because, okay, so what I can find is that... Yeah, let me see. Uh, Jacqueline was staring at the crimson stain slowly soaking through Simon's trouser leg just below the knee where he held a handkerchief close against the wound. But I can't mm-hmm. find anything else that talks about the stain. Um, I remember reading it and thinking it important. Yes. So this is where we're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> are you thinking the gunshot is fake? Yes. So I thought so too. 
Yeah. Until we get into the later bit, because Dr. Besner, like, pretty much performs surgery on him. So, okay, here's, here's my thinking. Wait, we should, like, we should, we should, we need to finish this part of, like, the story or whatever. Yeah. So, so she's shot him in the leg. I think the idea is that Miss, Mr. Fanthorpe and Cornelia kind of get Jacqueline out of the room at Simon Doyle's kind of request. He's like, get her out of here, get her away from me. She, mm-hmm. she kicks, she drops the gun and kicks it under a CD or set it, sete. I don't know how to yeah. pronounce that. And so they kind of basically have to drag her out. Simon Doyle is going like, don't tell, don't let my wife find out. Like we can tell her in the morning. Uh, like, I don't want to worry her. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And he kind of instructs them to, to Cornelia and uh, and Fanthorpe bring Jacqueline to her room. Cornelia wait with her to make sure, or Fanthorpe wait with her to make sure she's fine while Cornelia goes to get Miss Bowers, the nurse, and then have Miss mm-hmm. Bowers stay with Jacqueline to know so that, mm-hmm. you know, she's being treated because she's clearly in shock. And mm-hmm. then come back to me with Dr. Besner, like get the doctor. I yeah. clearly need help. So, you know, very well describing things in a, like a <laughs> yeah. situation. And so I'm sure you and I kind of had the same feeling because we're both thinking it's Jacqueline and and Simon, just yeah. how this feels planned. Like, it's like, yeah, everything mm-hmm. is very structured. Simon is instructing everyone. He's telling them, don't tell my wife. Don't mm-hmm. tell my wife. And so it's like yeah. being planned that no one's going to go into Lynette's room. Yeah. Jacqueline was also um, instructing, Cornelia. like, forcing Cornelia to stay as a witness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like giving herself an alibi or a witness, it felt like. Mm-hmm. So, so that happens that like they follow through with exactly what he said. They get the nurse, Miss Bauer comes and they go to get Dr. Besner and bring, he comes back and they get, they get Simon Doyle and then they, he can't walk. Like the doctor examines it and is like, yeah, your, your legs shattered from the bullet wound. Mm-hmm. They are able to carry him back to Dr. Besner's room where a Dr. Besner then, I think it gets, he asked Cornelia, he's like, I don't have a nurse on hand. Like you'll have to do. Mm-hmm. And instruct. Fanthorpe to go back for the gun they're like that shouldn't be left lying around I think even I think Simon Doyle says you should go back to get the gun yeah yeah I I thought it was Simon who said that yeah so then Fanthorpe Mr. Fanthorpe goes back to get the gun he note he saw it get kicked under this settee Mm -hmm. and it's not there oh shocker where'd the gun go so do you want to go first with like what you were thinking yeah so when this happened I immediately thought okay Jacqueline and Simon Doyle planned this. Got it. Yeah. Yes. But then I will say once the doctor started to get involved and Cornelia started to get involved, I was like, they can't fake that he doesn't have a bullet wound. Right? Or can they? Question okay. mark. So my thinking is yeah. that when Jack when Cornelia and Mr. Fanthorpe go to bring Jacqueline to her room Simon goes kills Lynette and then comes back and shoots himself in the leg intriguing and so intriguing just for everyone listening Charlotte and I have our own books um my book my copy has a picture of the boat layout where everyone's rooms yeah no I got the boat layout I got the boat layout okay so I'm gonna post this to Instagram you can also google it if you don't have Instagram and you want to look it up it's death on the Nile boat layout probably Mm -hmm. so if you look at the boat layout Neither the doctor or Miss Bowers' cabin are on the same side of the deck as Lynette. Ah. So 
if si if Simon Doyle had wanted had done that, he wouldn't have passed anyone on his way if no one had been out on the, like, the doctor and Miss Bowers. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I really like this idea. So you think he shoots himself. So my other thing is, this is like 1938. Do you think shooting yourself is a good idea? Like you're not near a hospital. You're not near anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, no, exactly. It kind of, it does get into that like, okay, maybe he didn't shoot himself because yeah, it is a serious injury. So I just. shatters his leg. Yeah. And like, you can't deny that he did that because like, unless the doctor's in on it, but then that means Cornelia was also, and then Mr. Thanthorpe also witnessed no. the surgery. I think right? that that's that's a stretch. Like I think we can agree, yeah. his leg is shattered. I thought of something though just now, and I wrote it down, mm -hmm. and I because I didn't think about it before, and I have no proof of this. But the thing is, is so they they tell the the nurse to go and sit with Jacqueline. Jacqueline and yeah. Jacqueline is skipping ahead a little bit, but surprise, wake up in the morning, Lynette's dead. So sometime. Yeah. And that night, Lynette got murdered. Yeah. But supposedly, Jacqueline was being watched by the nurse all night. And the nurse says that she gave Jacqueline an opiate, an opioid to yeah. make her sleep. Yeah. Uh, but she still stayed with her. I'm wondering, do you think Jacqueline drinking all that alcohol could have affected the opioid in some way? Because I was thinking that somehow, like, Jacqueline slipped out. But now your your way makes more sense. But I was thinking that Jacqueline maybe like slipped out um during mm -hmm. the night and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I but don't I think, think so. I guess how would she would have gotten the gun? She wouldn't be able to get the gun from yeah. Simon and stuff like that. Okay. I wanna I'm gonna take it at face values that face value that Miss Miss Bowers said she stayed up the night with Jacqueline. I, mm -hmm. I think it's agreed upon that she might have fallen asleep, but it's the idea that nurses sleep really lightly and would yeah. wake up if their patient woke up. I don't think Jacqueline's getting around that. So mm -hmm. I, I think I think her like crazy alibi that I think they've created for her, I think it stays. I think she gets her alibi. Yeah. And Simon has his alibi because he literally shot himself in the leg supposedly that makes sense that's mm -hmm. interesting uh, i wonder if we could think about what he would have caused the stain with like that's <gasps> oh my god i know what he caused the stain with do you know what he caused the stain with no oh oh yes Me? i do but don't say it don't yes. say it yes Oh my god! Don't say it. Okay, you got it. Okay, and I—it's funny. It's funny that you asked me what he caused a stain with, and I said no because when I read it in the book, that is exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to read the book again because I think it's important. Okay. Okay. I I'm on, I'm on board with your thoughts, <laughs> okay. but I will say I did immediately think, but I I didn't I thought. It's just an interesting thing because the gun wasn't supposed to have made that much noise. It's supposed to be a, like, like a small gun that doesn't make much, very much noise. They say it's so like the sound like, of a cork, a, a cork popping yeah. out of the bottle. So that would have been one, two, three gunshots. The gunshots, and as Lynette did, maybe she shot a blank or something like that. Yeah. The gunshot of killing Lynette and the gunshot of... Okay. Let's go through this a little bit more because I'm going to poke a few holes in your story and just see if you can like, yeah. I, I do want to say, like, I think for you when you're reading this, you start to kind of like falter from this idea. I I don't falter from it yet, but I do later in the book. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it was just I'm just faltering. Here I started to falter because I was like to shoot yourself in the leg. Yeah. And like immediately I thought that, oh, he didn't shoot himself. Like he's not shot. Yeah. And immediately yeah. I thought. But then I was like, um, they're like literally performing surgery on him. And then the like when he stayed in Dr. Besner's room overnight because he literally can't move, I was like, Yeah. Okay, like he's he probably definitely shot. And so then that's why I was convinced it was Jacqueline that would have had to I couldn't figure out how Jacqueline would have managed to shoot her so so we move on from that uh everyone kind of goes to bed they're puzzled about where the gun is but they're like let's leave it till the morning enough has happened already what are we gonna do (laughs) which fair enough like what are they gonna do wake everyone up yeah also based on where Hercule Poirot and Colonel Race are in the boat Mm -hmm. oh actually never mind they are both the farthest away from the saloon or the lounge that everyone was in. Yeah, they are. They are. So that kind of makes sense. That works out, I guess. Okay. So what happens next is kind of they wake up in the morning and news gets around. I think Race comes to get, uh, Colonel Race comes around to get Poirot and kind of like explain to him what happened. And so not only has Simon Doyle been shot in the leg, but we now found out that Lynette Doyle has been murdered in her sleep. She was shot through the head. Mm-hmm. So we jump to kind of her room and she's she's asleep, like she's dead. And there's a J written on the wall that mm. looks, it, it's made to look like it's with her own blood and that her finger has been dipped in blood. So it's almost, it's been made to look like she wrote the letter J on the wall. And then it's, it's, it seems to be pointing to Jacqueline de Belfort, who has her yeah. name starts with a J, but they kind of, I, I think it's Dr. Besner or someone goes over and says, it's too bad that she has a Loctite alibi. Like it can't be her. Mm-hmm. And it's also too bad because, or not too bad, but it's interesting. Jacqueline earlier in the book had described to Poirot how she'd like to kill Lynette. And it was to yeah. press her tiny, her little pistol up against her temple and shoot her through the head. That's exactly how she's been killed. Mm-hmm. And so again, it looks, it looks like it's indicating a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So that all happens. And, but they're kind of going, yeah, but it couldn't have been her. Who could it have been? And then they also take note that the pistol is missing. It isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So Colonel Race and Poirot kind of they take over the smoking room on the lower deck. Oh wait, but you also you forgot people. you forgot an important bit. Um, Doctor Besner says that she couldn't have written the J because she was shot at close range, so she died instantly. So if yes. somebody on purpose wrote a J. Yeah. And so when I read that, I immediately thought. If you because they don't describe there being a lot of blood, um, yeah, like on her head, like they describe mm-hmm. it as a very small bullet wound and stuff like that. And so yeah. I immediately went, I wonder if that wasn't like, are they sure it was blood that that J was written in? And then I also thought, oh, who has a bunch of blood lying around? What they don't describe the size of the J, it could be really small. That's true, that's true. But I went, oh, you know who has a lot of blood running around? Someone who got shot, supposedly. There's and no so- way Simon Doyle drags himself. Like, there would have been blood everywhere. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking about it, though. I even looked at this the chart and was like, is there a secret door between the room? Because I didn't realize that Simon Doyle had spent the night in Dr. Bisner's room. So I was like, are they going to look around and see if there's blood other places, too? <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, but I did think 
was there enough like enough of her own blood to write a J with was my opinion okay I I think I think there was and I think if it's Jacqueline and Simon they were they was they were being cheeky they did it on purpose because they knew Jackie had an airtight alibi yeah and also that like her cruel Perola likes her now and feels bad for her I don't think right, he, so, I don't think he likes her I think he just he feels bad for her I don't think he needs to like her to do that he feels he doesn't even feel bad for her he feels sorry for her I feel like that's worse the moral of the story was the doctor decides it's like Jay was written after she died. Yes. So it wasn't like, oh, Jacqueline killed me. It was like someone has put that Jay there. Yeah, no. Yeah, right. So they're they're kind of describing it as, yeah, she could have written it herself, but definitely didn't. She was already dead. Yeah. Like she yeah. So then Colonel Race and Poirot go down to the smoking room to interview people. And first they interview Cornelia and Mr. Fanthorpe to get their account because they're mm-hmm. like the the eyewitnesses and so we we've heard kind of what they describe but what they we then get into is what did you do after bringing simon doyle to to the doctor's room and like letting him sleep mm-hmm. and so mr Fanthorpe says he went immediately to bed and so this is i find this interesting they're really pushing that the murder must have happened they're not pushing it but they're making it sound like the murder must have happened afterwards mm-hmm. after this happened because they think Lynette has been shot with that same pistol that went missing. And I'm not saying they're not right. I'm just saying that's mm. that's where like the thought process is going. Yeah. So that's under the assumption that there's no other guns or pistols of that caliber on the boat. It would if yeah. then it would have to be afterwards because Jackie had mm. possession of the pistol beforehand. So Fanthorpe kind of says, yeah, sometime out, I think shortly after going to bed, he heard a splash. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of important from that from that section. So they start to kind of interview the rest of the the passengers. They've got Miss Bowers and she kind of the nurse, she goes over exactly what we said, like she stayed up all night, she'd given the opiate. Then Jackie bursts into the room kind of going, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and they tell her, Yeah, we know you have an alibi. And mm-hmm. this is where she brings back up that night that she had been describing to Poirot how she'd like to kill Annette she brings back up that man that was listening in. She brings it up again. So I I think at this point I started to go, oh, did she make that up? But I don't yeah. know. I'm still not sure if it was made up or if there was actually someone there. Mm-hmm. And this is also where Poro goes, could it have been a woman? Right? True. Doesn't he yeah. say that? He's like, do you think it could have been a woman? And she goes, I guess that's true. Yeah. They both know, kind of sure. like, just assumed it was a man. Yeah. Very true. They also keep going that they're going to get Simon Doyle to civilization to get an x-ray and that's what's going to save him. And I find that hilarious because the x-ray is going to do nothing. You know what I mean? Like, the it will also show them like for- There's a bullet and like the bullet's going to ruin the x-ray because it's metal. Like you can't. <laughs> I, I think, mean, like, yeah. What do we say? This is 1937. Like when were, when were x-rays invented? <laughs> oh, then. They were there. Yeah. They no, no, no I know they were there. But like how, how new were the x-rays at this point? Well, Marie Curie won it in, like, 1911, and also Thomas Edison was, like, obsessed with x-rays and wanted x-rays, like, you'd be wearing x-rays as you walked around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, that's, yeah. like, very turn of the century. So, so I just find it interesting, because they're describing it as, like, this cure-all, like, you, oh, we'll get him an x-ray and he'll be fine, when, like, the x-ray is not going to be the helpful part, it's going to yeah. be the surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, stuff to, like, combat infection. Anyways. I know. They, they several yeah. times and I find it funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 
this kind of happens throughout, but several people there it's whoever could have a lot of people describe how they didn't hear anything. So this is what you were talking about, how you kind of start to feel like were a couple of people like drugged? Like why did these people who thought they would have wake up not wake up? Mm-hmm. Um, Hercule Poirot is normally a really light sleeper. Like I feel like in other books he's described like here, like he would wake up and hear something. So that is interesting that he he kind of describes that he heard nothing all night. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I I kind of took note of, and I can't remember the exact people who say this, but some people describe that they heard a splash around 1 a.m. And other Mm -hmm. people describe hearing the splash around, like, earlier in the night. I don't remember what time. Yeah, there was discrepancy with the splash. But a lot of people describe a splash. So that's either, to me, that was kind of like either, either there's this this discrepancy and it's one of the two times, or there's two splashes. Mm -hmm. Or more. What were you thinking the splash was at this time? I was even thinking, like, could it have been a person? Like, they were really, like, because in my mind, it was, like, dropping a gun over the side is not going to make that yeah. loud a splash. I was thinking the gun. I was thinking the gun was the splash people heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know what else. I don't think I was thinking anything else. A person. Hmm. I don't know. I was like, maybe. Yeah, I didn't think about how loud the splash would be and if that was realistic. Honestly, it might not be. But here we are. <laughs> So they then go to interview Mr. Doyle, Simon Doyle, and some an interesting thing they ask him is, if you remember the first night that they were on the boat, Lynette kind of told Poirot that she was afraid and that everyone hated her or everyone was against her. And so Poirot mm-hmm. questions Simon, like, what did, what did she mean by that? And so he kind of replies, oh, it was a name in the passenger list that bothered her, but he doesn't know which person. Mm-hmm. Or if it was more than one person. Yeah. So another another kind of question they ask Simon is, did she have any like expensive jewelry? Is there any reason that someone would want to steal anything from her? And he goes, oh, well, her, her pearls, which <clears throat> we had heard about before, like Joanna Southwood trying them on. But I didn't mention that they were forty five to fifty thousand dollars. That's how much they were worth. Yeah. And Lynette wore them everywhere. So he goes like, yeah, she like brought her pearls with her. And I think they call in the, the, the um, maid, Lynette's maid. And she goes like, yes, yeah, I, when I put her to bed, they were on her bedside table. And Poirot goes, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were there last night. And he goes, interesting, because I remember they weren't there this morning. Yeah, so they're sure enough, they check the pearls are missing. They, I think... The maid checks the room and can't find them anywhere. So they they are missing, missing. The other thing with the maid is that she seems a little bit sketchy and maybe like she's holding something back. The kind of line she gives that I think seems most suspicious is she goes like, are you accusing me of leaving my bedroom and climbing up the stairs to the to the uh, upper deck and seeing someone going into Lynette's room? Is that what you're accusing me of? And it seems very detailed. For her to yeah. have said it like that. <laughs> yeah. And where did, when did she say this and where is she? Is she is she in the room with like the doctor and, and Mr. Doyle or is she? Uh... I think so. Yes. I, that's what okay. I, my, my understanding. Yeah. The other thing that the maid kind of gives away is that the she's I think she's only been working for Lynette for a couple months, like maybe two yeah. to four months. And she describes how the previous maid had been engaged to one of the crew members of this ship. But Lynette 
had found out that this this man had was already married and so he was he was looking to commit would it be bigamy yeah bigamy he was looking to commit bigamy with this with her maid and so she of course she was like i'm I'm telling the maid this this woman so she tells the maid and the maid breaks off the engagement with this man and so he was he was very upset about it and he's on this boat so Mm -hmm. the current maid who's on the boat is kind of saying uh yeah i think that's a possible suspect i think you should be looking at Mm -hmm. him so i think after after this chapter so i was thinking they they threw the gun over and then i started to think could they have thrown the pearls over Oh yeah, I started to think that too, and then that's why yeah. I thought there was like a person going to get get the pearls. Mm. I don't know. I started yeah. doing scuba divers, but um. to me, those it, to me they currently are like when I was reading this, they felt like separate things, like her being killed, because I'm still thinking that Simon Doyle has killed her, and so mm. pearls have to be separate because I don't think he would steal them. Well, I but, was thinking maybe he took them to make it look like it was a robbery. Mm, and then it would make even more sense for him to throw them overboard because he doesn't want to be yeah. found with them on his person. Also, um, it is important to know that the boat is stationary throughout all this. The boat isn't traveling during the night. So that's why I also kind of thought maybe like what if someone jumped off and just like swam to shore or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's possible. They do make it sound like no one could get on and off the boat the normal way because there were like there are sentry, sent- sentries yeah. stationed there or something like that. But they are like beside the shore because I remember someone else saying, "Oh, I wouldn't have heard yes. anything dropped over because I was on the side that is on the land or yeah, whatever." Correct. Yeah. True. Okay. So next, we we kind of get a couple of opinions. First, Hercule Poirot says what he was thinking about Andrew Pennington, and so we haven't we haven't heard this before, but we've maybe kind of come to certain conclusions. Like you you've kind of mentioned to the to the effect. When Pennington was getting Lynette to sign those papers, Poirot had been looking at his face. And when when Simon had said it was something to do with like he was looking on Simon as like, you know, almost like a cash cow. Like he's mm-hmm. he'll sign anything. This is perfect. Like it was like he was excited to see that. And so Poirot's kind of going, he's like, is there could it be like Pennington because he if he got rid of Lynette like Simon would come into the money and he could get Simon to sign the forms like could that have been what was mm-hmm. going through his mind mm-hmm. so they go through that and then they come they have the the man on uh, the crew member who had you know been wanting to commit bigamy they interview him and I'm not giving his name because to me when characters like this are mentioned they've never been mentioned before in the book they're not important. not important secondary characters He's, I don't think he's going to be a part of everything. He's just a red herring. Okay. Okay. So then we get into Miss Van Schuyler's kind of interview. And she, she, rich people like this are kind of interesting in these books because they don't want to be involved with anything. And so Poirot mm-hmm. and Colonel Race kind of have to like, you know, tread carefully and be like, we're so grateful for your help. And we're so glad that like, we won't take up too much of your time. Like all that, you know, mm-hmm. bull crap. And so she's, the kind of important thing that she says is that she did hear she did hear some things and she when she kind of heard prowling around she had gone to her door and looked outside and she says she saw miss otterborn rosalie throwing something overboard and she had heard a splash and she mm-hmm. says that they asked her kind of like what she looked like and she said she was in a state of considerable emotion mm-hmm. So that's, that's interesting. And so they're like, okay, what happened next? And she's like, Miss, 
Audubon kind of just like, you know, walked around the corner. I returned to bed and that was that. And then at this moment, there's a knock on the door and someone comes in holding what they say they've, they've found. They've been searching the bank to find mm-hmm. what had been thrown overboard. Mm-hmm. And they come up with the pistol wrapped in Miss Van Schuyler's velvet stole. Mm-hmm. And then wrapped in the handkerchief and thrown overboard. And so Miss Van Schuyler is like the impertinence. This is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I think she, I don't know. I don't know if she, I don't think she gets the, sh- the stole back. They keep it as evidence, but she yeah. Did they say they saw blood on the um, handkerchief? I don't remember. But they did say it was like a poor person's handkerchief is how they described it. Yes. They do describe it as that. Also, so that supposedly fell into the water, but like the current, you know, didn't. <laughs> I was, I was like, really, it stayed there. The current didn't like take it away. <laughs> well, you know, things have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. And um, how old do you think Mrs. Van Schuyler is? Um, because, or Miss Van Schuyler, because I've been duped before on some of your short stories where you don't think someone's old, and then, or you think someone's old and then they actually are young. I always assumed she was old because she had a nurse. Yeah, I'm picturing as like 65. Okay. But you're right. I don't think they ever mentioned her age. That's my Mm -hmm. imagination. So after interviewing Miss Van Schuyler, they want to interview Rosalie Otterborn and see what she has to say for herself. And she denies that she, you know, left her cabin the night before. And when they kind of tell her, well, Miss Van Schuyler says she saw you and throwing something overboard you can kind of see her waver a little bit. Like it, it does seem like there is something, but she says, no, I never left my cabin. She's lying. It wasn't me. She doesn't, she, I think she says, isn't she partly blind? Like she must've seen someone else, Mm -hmm. which is true. I think she is blind or blinding. At this part in the book, did you think what she was throwing? Like, did you have an idea? Like, or did you think that she did see her actually throwing something overboard? I thought she probably did. But I had no idea what it was. And I also did think it, yeah. it's possible she saw someone else, but I would assume it'd be a woman then. Like, I, I think she'd mm-hmm. know that shape. At the figure. Yeah. I could believe that it was Rosalie. No idea what she threw overboard. Did you have an idea? No, I had no idea what she was throwing overboard. But I, I, I didn't think Rosalie was the killer, so I knew I thought it must be, like, something unimportant. Not unimportant, but, like, some sort of side story. Mm-hmm. So... Next, they interview Andrew Pennington. I'm, I'm just to be clear, they've interviewed everyone. I'm just skipping over people that I don't think are that important, which, you know, what mm-hmm. I find out is not true, but I've done it so too bad. And so they're interviewing Andrew Pennington. And one of the important things that he says, and that Poirot points this out, is they talk about that unfortunate event that had happened with the boulder rolling down and nearly killing Lynette and Simon. And they mention... I think it's brought up like, oh, where were you? And Pennington says that he was in the temple at the time, but he'd heard about Mm -hmm. it afterwards. And when he leaves the room, Poirot turns to Colonel Rice and is like, that's not true. He wasn't in the temple. Mm -hmm. So he's lying. And why is he lying? I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but at this point, I don't know if it was at this point, but I I did start to kind of think, yeah, he could have pushed the boulder, but not actually shot Lynette. Like, it could be two separate events, two separate Mm. attempted murders, do you know? Because also, if he kills both of them, then maybe he gets the money again. Because yeah, he doesn't care. Like, maybe the money goes back into his trust. 
Yeah. Because it could Probably. have been both of them. But this was also I was very suspicious was because Mr. Pennington's one is the one that's like directly beside is the room that's directly beside Lynette's. Like mm-hmm. their their rooms are like touching each other. I don't know how because this would be like the main wall or whatever. So I don't know if they're like thinner than the ones like the, the rows. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did find it interesting. And also, did, I can't remember if he mentioned, like, hearing anything to do with Dr. Besner. Because he's, like, sandwiched in between both of them. And I can't he remember if... He he does say that he heard a commotion around midnight or one in Dr. Okay. Besner's room. Because I was like, if he doesn't mention that, then there was something going on with him. But, yeah. I found it interesting that he didn't remember hearing the shots. Because yeah. they are, like, literally touching each other. Their rooms are side by side. And so that kind of makes me a little bit suspicious of him. And he also is just like yeah. a really shady character. Yeah. And he's now so. lying about his whereabouts with the, the boulder. Yeah. Yeah. Something's up with him, which we already felt because he's like, you know, trying to get Lynette to sign papers. But mm-hmm. so at this point, the Karnak starts moving again. They're obviously, I think they're not stopping anymore. They're just trying to get Simon Doyle back to a hospital. Because he has uh-huh. legitimately been shot. And I just keep coming back to that. It's like if he shot himself on purpose penicillin has not been invented yet like he needs that wound cleaned yeah um somewhere around this point in the the story poirot's only question about the case is why was the pistol thrown overboard he finds that very important i still have no answer to that and i don't have one at the end so his his he's his thinking was like if someone was trying to frame Jacqueline de Belfort, it's her pistol. Why would you not leave it around to be framed? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I feel like if Simon Simon Doyle could have easily like I I don't know why wouldn't he throw it overboard? Yeah, like he's because, not really I mean, trying to frame Jacqueline. And also he wants to like get rid of it because you know like it can't be on his person. Like you know what I yeah. mean? Like. Exactly, yeah. He can't be found with it. He could have left it in the room. I don't know why yeah, he didn't leave I it in the room. Oh, you know why? Because he's working in cahoots with Jacqueline, and if he left it in the room, it was a little too obvious that it was Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Just saying, right? Like, the she's, J is kind of... alibi. True. Right. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, why was the gun thrown overboard? don't know so we'll have to keep that in mind they also make like a point that the silencer like it was kind of used as a makeshift silencer but True, that it yeah. probably wouldn't have really done anything that's a good point like, i yeah what's what's the point behind that was it just because someone didn't know that it wouldn't actually silence anything or was it done on purpose Hmm. oh maybe as like a way to like throw someone like off or kind of thing like who stole the stool <laughs> I don't know, but that is funny. Um, I don't know. I feel like you're not casting suspicion on Van Skyler. I don't think anyone's gonna think she did it. True. But I was thinking maybe because like it was missing, so maybe whoever took it earlier in the, the evening. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure about that one. I can't answer that question, so you know, maybe maybe it's one of those like it doesn't fit my theory and so I'm not I don't care. <laughs> that means my theory's wrong. There's a little bit of a reconciliation between Simon and Jacqueline that's kind of weird about them being, like, awkward around each other and saying, like, Simon being like, it's okay, I know you didn't mean to, like, you were just, like, you know, you're just a kid. So some weird I stuff about that. I was really annoyed with that. 
Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. Well, you go ahead, but I'm... Yeah. I don't know much to say. I was just like, oh, look, they're getting back together so soon. And also, what do you mean she's just a kid? How old are you? Why are you some creepy man? Yeah. Uh, so Poirot's kind of, like, walking along the deck, and he hears Mrs. Otterborn kind of, like, yelling at her daughter, Rosalie. And so, about how she's, like, a terrible daughter, and she's so ungrateful, and yada, yada, yada. And so he knocks on the door and asks Rosalie to come with him to kind of get her out of the situation a little bit, and I think to find out more. And mm-hmm. so he questions her more about, like, did she throw something overboard? And she says, she could, like, he was pushing, but no, she didn't. But he... I think presses her and tells her, here's what I think happened. Like this is, I'll tell you what I think and you tell me if I'm right. And it's that he's saying, I know your mom drinks. I think that you've been, your mom, you know, was doing really well at not drinking, but her books aren't selling very well. And so she's, you know, this, she's using this as a coping mechanism. And so she's gotten back into drinking. And I think you found her stash and threw it overboard last night. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she she says yes, right? Or did she did she? Yes, she says yes, and she kind of like tells him more about how she's been like trying not to let anyone know, and it's been so difficult. And I think she kind mm-hmm. of yeah like confides in him a little bit about how she's feeling, mm-hmm. and says, "Of course, I won't tell everyone," which is what she's worried about. Yeah. And then he asks, "Did you see anyone at all when you're throwing this overboard? Like, be honest with me." And she says, "No, I saw nobody." But I think mm-hmm. because of the way, like how, I don't, I don't know if she's being truthful or not. What do you think? I didn't think she was being truthful. I, or I mean, sorry, I felt it was like there was some, it was a, still else. a little left, left in the open a little bit. And I also thought, so that is what she's throwing over. That would make a splash, right? Like throwing a bunch of bottles over the side of a boat would make a pretty loud splash, right? So I was like, mm-hmm. that does make sense. It makes sense why people would hear it. Like, like the pearls would not make that noise. Like, I don't think the gun would make that noise, like a loud noise. But throwing bottles over the side would make a yeah. loud noise. Mm-hmm. This that gets into like it would make sense for there to be two splashes. And so the fact that people heard splashes at different times of night, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if Simon Doyle threw the gun, or somebody mystery person threw the gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's lunchtime now. So Poirot sits down at the table and with Mrs. Allerton and the, and Tim, because they, I guess, keep the same tables. And apparently this is important. I don't know why, Charlotte. And so we have to talk about this, but he orders a bottle of wine. She Mm -hmm. orders, um, I think, mineral water. And what does Tim drinks whiskey? And she says, we're very Catholic in our tastes. You drink wine always. Tim drinks whiskey and soda. And I try all the different brands of mineral water in turn. Yeah, sorry. Who orders the wine? Uh, Poirot. So why is she saying we're always very Catholic with our tastes? Because wouldn't wine be the more Catholic thing to get? I don't think it was I don't think it was Catholic in that sense. It was that we always have the same things. Like Tim always drinks a whiskey and soda. Um... You, Poirot, always drinks wine. I don't know why that's Catholic. I don't get that, okay. but I think it's more to yeah. do with we always have the same things. And I don't know how that's like, he's like, this is important. And I don't know. And this is another thing. It's like, how, I don't know how this ties into my theory. And so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I didn't really understand that comment either. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> okay, so 
part so there this it's it's important that they're all sitting at the same table i think and this is kind of where we get into some of those things that i was calling out at the very beginning of the book and why i think they're important so mm -hmm. they're talking about the pearls being stolen and mrs allerton says like this is the fact that these pearls have been stolen is going to mean a lot of unpleasantness for everyone on the ship and Poirot kind of goes, oh, you must have had some experience with this kind of thing before. And Tim mm. says no, but his mom goes, oh, yes, you, you remember you were at the Porterlings, Porterlingtons that time that that woman's diamonds were stolen. And mm. he goes, you get these things hopelessly wrong. I was there when it was discovered that the diamonds she was wearing around her fat neck were only paste. The actual substitution was probably done months earlier. Mm -hmm. And so to me, reading that, I think I was starting to think, could Tim, how, why is it, why are they mentioning that Tim was at this house when these things were stolen? Mm -hmm. And now we're at another place where things were stolen and that ring went missing while Tim was around. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm kind of like tying all these things together and thinking, is something going yeah. on there? What do you think? That, no, that totally makes sense now. I was not putting that together. Yeah, it was one of those, like, as I was rereading it and these things were coming up, I was like, oh, oh, is this why he doesn't like Poirot? Because he's like, he yeah. knew that these, like, pearls were going to be a thing and he didn't want Poirot around or something like that. No, that's, a, that's now that totally makes sense. And also, well, okay, we'll get to it in, in a second. Yeah. But it's interesting, but it also has your fact where you're like, he's always with his mom so much. So you think his mom would know, like, oh, are you a jewel thief? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the other thing and I think this is important is that Joanna is brought up in connection with these this diamond she wasn't at the dinner but she did know the family mm. and I think that's important because I th I'm kind of thinking they must I feel like they must be a team yeah they're definitely a team because so there's something the... going on with that yeah so before before everyone can leave the the, the lunch tables Colonel Race, at kind of like the guidance of Poirot, asks everyone to stay in the lunchroom. They are going to search all the rooms. They're kind of like doing this as a surprise so no one has a chance to hide anything. And then they will also search everyone's person uh, mm -hmm. after searching the rooms or at the same time. So they leave the room and Poirot kind of tells Race, like, let, before we start searching the rooms, let's just wait here. And sure enough, Miss Bowers leaves the room and comes out to talk to them. And they're kind of shocked that it's her they didn't think would be her. And she goes, I, I thought, I just thought under the circumstances, I should tell you this. I have the pearls. And she pulls them out of her handbag. Mm -hmm. I was not, I was not, I was surprised. No, I was totally shocked when that happened. I was not expecting it at all. And then, so we're kind of immediately given the description of it. So I'll, I'll tell that first before we talk about it, because I think it's important. Yeah. Um, so Miss Miss Bowers kind of says she doesn't, she didn't want to like create a scandal, but like her plan was to try and put them back before anyone had noticed. And so you're reading this and going like, what's going on? And then she starts to describe how Miss Van Schuyler is prone to sneaking out of a room at night and stealing people's valuables and that she's done this all all the time and that's the real reason that miss bowers like she's not really a nurse because miss fen schuyler needs a nurse but more to keep her from stealing anything and so she kind of says like i'm a light sleeper normally i can wake up in time and i'll catch her in the act and normally she just goes to bed without saying anything but of course because i was up all night with jacqueline i i couldn't do anything and mm -hmm. she always she knows that she always hides whatever she's stolen in her stocking drawer. And so she said, this morning, I checked her stocking drawer as I normally do. I found them and I found the pearls. So I took them to replace them. 
Mm-hmm. And so what are, what were you thinking when you read that? I thought, okay, so that's why Miss Van Schuyler saw Rosalie. Yep. Yep. Right? So there you go. But then I was thinking, I don't think Miss What's-Her-Face killed her. And so if she went into her room, would she have noticed that she was dead? Like, I don't was think she. So. Yeah, right? Because didn't they say, like, she almost looks like she's sleeping? Because yeah. in my mind, it was like, oh, maybe she's not dead yet. And mm. so then it was, like, right around there. But I really mm. like your idea. So maybe she just didn't realize she was dead. Also, they That's kind of ex- they kind of describe that she's almost in, like, a trance. Almost. Like, yeah. she'll, she's fully denying that she's doing it. Like, if, it, if yeah. someone asks her, she'll fully deny that she's doing it. In it, so to me, I almost read it as it's like she's sleepwalking. I know that's not what it is, but that's kind of how I was describing. So I was like, so maybe she wouldn't even be. I mean, she was clearly aware enough to see Rosalie like dropping that stuff over. But I was yeah. like, maybe she wouldn't even have been aware enough to see that the like her, she was dead. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so that's how Rosalie saw that. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's how she saw Rosalie doing that. And also, if Miss Miss Bowers is such a light sleeper, it would mean that Jacqueline would not have been able to leave. What were you thinking? I so my first thought was like I I, I believe Miss Bowers. I think she's telling the truth. I think there's like you could definitely not believe what she's saying and think that this is a lie. But I think the fact that she like came out and said it right away makes me believe her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking they talk about as well at this point in the book. They're like, is Miss Van Schuyler deaf? And Miss Bowers is like, yes, she does suffer from deafness. And so earlier, Miss Van Schuyler had said that she had heard moving around in the other room. And so they're kind of saying there's no way she could have actually heard that. So it made me think, um, it made me think, was someone actually in Miss Van Schuyler's room? And so it was like, did someone else plant the pearls there? Mm. I don't, I think that might get too complicated, but. No, I don't think so. I think she's just lying. Okay. Like, she's just being like, yeah, I hurt someone. Yeah, that's very possible. Because she knew that she stole the pearls herself. Yeah, that that ties in easier. That fits in better. Okay, so what happens next is Poirot kind of, I think he, like, bites the pearls and, like, looks at them really closely. And he basically goes, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty confident these are imitation pearls. Mm -hmm. These aren't real. So, clearly, I mean, I had not thought about this at all before. But clearly Tim and and Joanna are some sort of team where they recreate jewels, right? Because so, exactly, yeah. that's exactly what happened with that, where she went, no, mom, she, they found the diamonds were fake. So like, yeah. that's why I was there. And then um, Joanna, t- or at least, I don't know if she borrows the pearls, but she touches the pearls at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So... That could be something. And also, Tim wants to go to Egypt, right? Yeah. And so maybe yep. he's going to Egypt to follow Lynette to go steal her pearls. The question is, when did the switch happen? Did it happen that night? Did I it happen? So were there three people in that room? Someone yeah. killing Lynette, someone switching the pearls out, and then Miss Van Schuyler? Yeah. So I... I wasn't thinking that at the time, but as, as we know, more stuff is going to happen. And then I did start thinking that. So we'll, we'll, we can come back to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly what you described is what I started thinking. And I didn't think about it until this happened. I was not away. I didn't remember the parts from the beginning, except for I did remember that Joanna Southwood had worn those pearls, that she'd asked mm-hmm. Lynette to wear them. And Lynette had said yes. And I kind of thought that's when she would get to a feel for what they looked like, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I didn't at that time think, obviously, that it was Tim, but I did think, okay, there must be some sort of jewel thief, like, there must be some sort of something and that must be a side plot that's going on. Yeah. Was my, like, I was like, there must be something going on. For sure. So in the right, right away in the next chapter, Poirot kind of mentions that he was admiring Lynette's pearls at the beginning of the trip. And he's pretty sure they were genuine at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's maybe a point to say that they must've been switched somewhere along the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about when they would have been switched. I don't know. I don't know either. I think for the purpose of the story, I think it must have been the night she died. Mm. That's my that's my feeling. Because that could have been what she heard, Miss Van Schuyler heard, or she heard someone. If she did hear anything. Yeah. So now the Colonel Poirot and Race, sorry, Colonel Poirot, Colonel Race <laughs> and Poirot start to go through the rooms. So they start with right. Senor Rochetti and he has, you know, various archaeological facts, some personal letters, uh, and his handkerchiefs were all of colored silk. So they're like, okay, so the poor man's handkerchief that the gun was wrapped in, probably not his. Mm-hmm. Then they went to Louise Bourget. She's the maid. And her her room is in complete disorder. There's there's stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they, the other thing, too, is that they've been planning on interviewing her again, but no one's been able to find her. She didn't come up to the, the lunchroom, so they're not sure where she is. Mm-hmm. So they decide, they leave that for, for now, and then they go up on up to the next level. They start with James Fanthorpe, his, his cabin. They kind of describe that he traveled light. It was a meticulous order, kind of like nothing personal. So next they enter, they um, go through Tim Allerton's room and the thing that Poirot notes is that he goes through all of his letters and he doesn't find any from Joanna Southwood, which makes me think that he was like burning them or discarding them because they had stuff in mm. them. Or like keeping them on his person or something. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. Isn't that the beginning when um, he's reading to his mom? Yep. The letter doesn't he not let her like read the whole letter? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't let her see it. He just tells her what it says. Right. Okay. So he's definitely burning those letters or something. <laughs> yeah. They search Mrs. Allerton's room. Don't find anything of importance. They go then through Simon Doyle's room. Um, nothing too important in that one. They're kind of thinking. Their thought process is is that Simon Doyle didn't sleep in that room, and so they don't necessarily think he's hiding anything. They think that the thief could have. It would have. It would have been a great place for the thief to hide something. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're looking for, but they don't see anything. Also, um, at some point around this time, Poirot brings up the murder on the Orient Express and kind of goes yeah. like mentions that at that point that they that something had been hidden in his suit, his locked suitcase. And so he's kind of saying, we have to search my room as well because someone could hide something in there. Mm-hmm. So here's, this is another important point. Next, they search Lynette Doyle's room and Poirot pulls up two little bottles labeled Nail-X, so nail polish. And they're both mm-hmm. red colors. One's named Cardinal and the other is labeled Rose. 
and he finds that one of them is almost completely empty, whereas the other is full. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, yeah. I immediately thought, oh, so that's what they drew the J with. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, I, I, that's what I decided. I was like, yeah. someone painted her finger red and yeah. then did that or something like that. But Whereas my thought was yeah. that's what he used to make it look like blood. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I mean, he had the foresight to put it back in her room, but also yeah. I would have thrown that over. Like, I would, I don't know, swallowed it. Like, like. <laughs> Jeez, like <laughs> get rid of the evidence. Yeah. I don't think they find anything of interest in Miss Van in Miss Van Schuyler's room. They also search Hercule Poirot and Colonel Race's room. I don't think they find anything in either of those. Then mm-hmm. they go on to Miss Bower's cabin. Again, nothing important there. Choose a plain handkerchief with her initial on it. Then the mm-hmm. Otterburn cabin come up, and again, nothing, nothing of importance. And the next was um, Dr. Besner's room. And so Simon Doyle is still in there, lying up. He can't move, of course. I don't know where Besner's mm-hmm. sleeping at this point. I guess maybe there's like an extra room. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Who knows where he's sleeping? <laughs> there are some extra rooms. Mm-hmm. See, this is when we get to the end here, this is where I start to, I start to question a little bit more Jacqueline and Simon, but. So next they search Pennington's room. They go through his legal documents, but don't really see anything of interest. However, they do find a heavy Colt revolver. So that would, it would have been too big to have killed Lynette with. That was definitely with a small pistol. They're just noting that he has a gun. Colonel Race brings up a point that what if, what if the actual murderer did leave the pistol in Lynette Doyle's room and then someone else threw it overboard? Which is interesting. I don't think that's what happened, though. I don't think that's what happened. So next they go to Mr. Ferguson's room, and they find a signet ring and a bunch of communist papers, which isn't surprising. He has... What is kind of interesting is that his underclothes are, like, good quality, but his outer clothes aren't. They're, like, worn out. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So when I heard this, I went, oh, this is the mystery man that's from England. And he just pretends to be a communist. Uh-huh. But now I'm thinking, is this the man that Colonel Race is looking for? Like, he's clearly mm-hmm. kind of hiding something because he has these communist ideas, but something, I don't know what that ring is. It was something that was important with that ring. I didn't really get it. And then, mm-hmm. like, yeah, his clothes, like, he's just putting on an outward show. So he kind of seems like he's hiding, like he's trying to hide himself. But I really think mm-hmm. it's just like a side plot. Okay. So from the there, I think Colonel Race goes to search the rest of the rooms, where, whereas Poirot is, I think, still questioning Simon Doyle. And then they get word of the, the search that had gone on of the people in the, in the lunch cabin. And Signor Ruschetti was found with a Mauser automatic on him, a gun. And a small pistol was found in Miss Rosalie Otterborn's handbag. Dun, dun, dun. And again, that was a pearl. It was a pearl. Yeah, small they described it as very similar to the one that Jackie had. Yeah. Which yeah, is I weird. found that very interesting. I want a little teeny, teeny, teeny pearl handgun. I'm just kidding. I don't, but it seems very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. 
So next, the the person, the woman who had been searching all of the ladies and found that she she notes that the maid has not been found anywhere. They haven't been able to find her, and so they're like, "What? She's disappeared." And so they were like, "Maybe she's the one who stole the pearls." Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of like, you know, she's trying to run away, and or she threw herself overboard. True. And but I think Ray says that's nonsense, and so they have to go search for her. So they go to search her cabin, and when they unlock the door and pass inside, it looks it's completely a mess, but uh, Race kind of notices a shoe that's kind of like at a weird angle, and sure enough, he looks under the bed, and they find the body of the maid. Dun-dun-dun! Now we have two murders. Yeah, because one isn't enough. <laughs> Never. So they well, they find the maid, and they find in her hand, there's a little corner of a French note like money and so they mm-hmm. go oh she was she was being bribed like she was trying to get money out of someone and so now they're thinking she did see someone going into Lynette's cabin and didn't want to say mm-hmm. because she wanted to get them to give her money and so it's like okay who yeah. could this person be yeah here's here's my thought at this point char if it was mm-hmm. simon doyle that she saw going into Lynette's room he can't be bribing her he, he literally can't walk oh yeah i just figured jacqueline was doing it for him that seems yeah. yeah it's possible i to me i was like i don't think it's either of them. that's where this kind of the idea starts throwing it for me i don't oh, i don't see that happening that's interesting but okay. then when we started talking about tim allerton having possibly like if he switched out the jewels at the same time mm-hmm. i was like oh the maid could have seen tim oh in, in so why would tim, tim kill her well, he doesn't want like, to find out about the pearls. It's $45,000. Yeah, but you're going to kill someone for that? I guess so. I don't know. I This is just my theory. I don't know. That is true. Also, it was French francs. They were in Spain before, so that doesn't make sense. But they did say that like people kind of carry around money with them. Yeah, they made it sound like British people like, bring French francs with them. Like, that's normal. Uh, I don't agree with you because of what happens later. But I think it was black interesting we say that i what happens later makes me even more um convinced it's tim yeah <laughs> interesting oh yeah you're right you're right well okay let's get to it let's get to it yeah okay okay so see i think tim is the person race is looking for who knows mm. i just find it interesting that there was a murderer on board then there's all these murders happening and like it's not that person but Rashetti does have one, have a gun on him, so it could be him. It's it's also important to note um, the nurse is not the nurse. The maid wasn't shot; she was stabbed. Yes. So they do it's kind of like question the doctor. Thin. Yeah, something thin. So they do kind of question the doctor, and they're like, "Hey, are any of your surgical knives missing?" And he gets like really pissed at them, and it's like, "Of course not! How mm-hmm. dare you accuse me of this?" Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So we haven't really thought about the doctor yet in any way. No, because- we haven't. He's had, like, no suspicions, and so that's why I'm kind of, like, suspicious of him. Because it's, like, literally, really, he's just a good doctor. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. no one's just a good doctor. So, maybe he's the mystery person. I don't know. I'm suspicious. And also, so did someone steal his knife? Like, how, who, what, who? Well, there isn't, what? no. He says that one of his knives aren't missing. Yeah, I know. But then, so then what stabbed the person? I don't know. I didn't yeah. think that far ahead. Can you think of Tim? Anything Tim would have? <gasps> Something about him being Catholic? I don't know. 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 
I really don't know either. So Poirot, Poirot goes on to tell, I think he tells Jacqueline and Rosalie, like, what's happened. And he's watching Rosalie the whole time to, like, see her reaction. I'm not exactly sure why. Wait, but has he confronted her about the gun yet? No, he that hasn't. was in her purse? Okay. He doesn't confront her. He hasn't confronted her yet, but he's about to. So he, they kind of get alone pretty quickly. You know, Jacqueline mm-hmm. moves on. And she's asking, why are you looking at me like that? And he kind of goes, well, I have two questions for you. Um, why why are you not telling me the truth? And she's like, I've told you everything. I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, you didn't tell me that you carry a gun in your handbag, a small caliber pistol. And she goes, that's not true. I don't have a revolver. And mm-hmm. he says, I didn't say revolver. I said small pistol. And she kind of like says that it's nonsense. How, like, how dare he accuse her? She just does nothing of the kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she opens her handbag and there's nothing there. And so he goes, yeah. right, yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah, I was surprised that, like, the steward didn't bring the gun. I guess he, the steward, didn't, like, they wouldn't have been taking their possessions. And other people had guns, too, so. this And so this is where, like, Poirot thinks that Rosalie saw something more when she was up that night. And so she's questioning her about it. And mm-hmm. she's, like, standing by that she didn't see anything. I have no idea what's going on with Rosalie. Like, to me, I'm lost on this one. Yeah. I don't know. I, the gun's confusing. Maybe she was lying about the bottles. Yeah. Maybe she wants to commit suicide. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe she's drugging her mother. <laughs> and that's why her mom called her terrible. And that's why she mm. seemed intoxicated. Maybe. I don't know. I I know. Like, she I don't know. such a bad person. Yeah. Again, it's just what we're hearing. <sighs> yeah, I was confused with the gun. I was confused. I was really like, really? Huh. And now that she's already gotten rid of it, like... Yeah, I know. There's There's got to be something there. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon after this, Poirot basically goes, I know what's happened. Like, I know who did it. So yeah, we kept reading a little bit because a lot of times there are more clues after the fact. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know who did it, but... <laughs> but yeah, like... Some things aren't really fitting. No, exactly. If you try to like, like fit your theory to what's going to happen, like we're we're like making a puzzle piece fit that doesn't actually go there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Shara, we get some even more interesting parts, and this is why you have to keep reading after Poirot says he knows because more stuff happens. Yes. So they want to clear out the matter of that telegram because they want to know what's in the telegram that Simon Doyle had mentioned about, like you know, Lynette, Lynette by accident opening that Rochetti's telegram and so they go into the room to kind of like clear that up with him and I think he's about to say something when Mrs. Audubon bursts into the room yeah and she says I so know whose room are they in right now they're in the Dr. Besner's room and it's because Mr. Doyle Simon Doyle is like laid up there so they've gone to talk to him oh so they're going to go sorry they didn't go talk to Rochetti they were going to go talk to Doyle trying to figure out what was in that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got based it. on his, what he knew of the telegram, because uh, they're like, I think they're thinking Rochetti's not going to tell us. Mm-hmm. So they're they're asking him when Mrs. Otterburn bursts into the room and she bursts into the room and, and this she is the mom, to, right? Yeah. This is Mrs. Otterburn, the mother. Yeah. She says to Simon, "I know who killed your wife," and they're all like shocked. You know, like what? What are you talking about? And she basically boils down to that she saw someone go into the maid's room around the time that the maid was killed. Yeah. 
So she's linking the two things together. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of describing the reason she had gone down onto that floor is basically one of the crew members was like selling her alcohol. She's kind of like yeah. trying to say it delicately, but that's what had happened. She had seen someone going into his room and now she knows that like they did it like now she realizes that she knows the maid's dead and she's being very theatrical about this you know like really drawing it out and she's about to say the name of the person she saw when a revolver large gun points around the curtain in the room and shoots her in the head Mm-hmm. okay so very convenient yeah <laughs> I think the gun gets dropped, so it's just lying there. Poirot, like, immediately, like, jumps to and runs out onto the deck. He looks both ways and doesn't see anyone on the deck. So he runs to, like, I think maybe his left and goes around the corner. And he, like, collides with Tim Allerton. And he asks mm-hmm. him, did you see, was anyone running in that direction? Tim says, no, no, I didn't pass anyone. So they go back the other way. And by this point, I think a lot of people have come out of their rooms and are now on the deck. So mm-hmm. they're not sure it could have, where this person could have gone. Yeah. And so... As I was kind of mentioning to you, to me, Tim Allerton could have easily run around the corner and then pretended to yeah. collide with Poirot. No, that makes sense. How I saw it as was, yeah. um, I thought it was Jacqueline. And the reason mm-hmm. I thought it was Jacqueline was because Jacqueline and Miss Otterborn had been sitting. And what if she, Miss Otterborn had said something like, oh, mom told me she saw someone coming out of whatever, whatever. Yeah. I don't know who it was. She was going to let me know or something, or she's going to go uh, tell so-and-so. Yeah. And so then Jacqueline was like, oh, uh, let me just go for one second or something. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, so that's why I thought like it could still be Jacqueline personally. But also yeah. the, the thing is, is this is Pennington's gun. Yeah, right? it's Andrew Pennington's revolver. It's, a, it's the bigger one. And so they go to so question like, him. Who would have known that he had that gun? He says that he told everyone at dinner one night. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, He's in the lower deck in the smoking cabin writing letters. He said he's been there for 20 minutes, but no one can vouch for his alibi. So they're kind of like, it's your gun. You could have easily run down the stairs, like gone to the lower deck from shooting them. Yeah. Still could have you. Yeah. And there wasn't there something else sketchy about him? He was, he was writing some letters. Yeah, it was your gun. Mm, I can't remember. And then that's where we left it, right? So we have a couple more things. Okay. So. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. There are like a couple more things. Yes. <laughs> yes. A couple more things are they, they, so I think Fergus, it's Ferguson, right? He proposes to Cornelia. Like they're having yeah, he's like, their, like little fights. And yeah. he like, he's like, oh, you annoy me so much, but I also love you. And this is so annoying. Like you're going to have, you like, I need you to marry me. And she's like, uh, never. Like you're too ridiculous. Yeah. And he, I think he says to Poirot, did you know that she, um, her father was like ruined mm-hmm. by Lynette Doyle's father yep. in business and he like lost all his money and they think he died of like sadness. And mm-hmm. Poirot, you know, notes that and goes, no, I didn't know that. And then mm-hmm. Ferguson says that he's going to, he's going to go talk to Miss Van Schuyler and basically like I don't know annoy her enough and then he thinks that will make Cornelia love him more or something yeah so he goes and does that and then Cornelia comes into the room and is like stop it you're being ridiculous and um you know no one still says no she won't marry him and then I think they both leave the room and then Poirot says to Miss Van Schuyler did you know that Ferguson is actually like a lord Mm -hmm. he's he's a titled guy 
Yeah. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I found his, his family crest signet ring in his room. So it's like, oh, okay, that's why that's important. That's yeah, why and they said, like, the guy became a communist at school or something like that. Yeah, he had gone to Oxford and become a communist. Mm-hmm. I don't see what that had to do with anything. I think well, it's a obviously, side story. I think that's, like, a side story. Yeah. It's important that Miss Robson is the one that's family got ruined. Would that insinuate that it was also Miss Van Schuyler? Or no? Because, like, Miss Van Schuyler has been adamant that, like, her family's fine and they're, they're very, like, you know, whatever. But I isn't Robson... Cornelia. What? You think it's just Cornelia? Yeah. Yeah, so do you think that that... Does that put you into your head that Cornelia did it? Because not for me. Yeah, not really. <laughs> it kind of... I don't know. I can't even imagine that Lynette, like Cornelia never gave off the like feeling that she like didn't like Lynette. Like, I don't even know if Lin- it was that Lynette was talking about that, like Cornelia, when she was saying everyone hates me. I don't know. There's been no, for me, there's been no inkling that Cornelia could be involved with this. If she is, well, I, I will be really shocked. Yeah. The only thing, it makes sense because she's an American. So she's an American. Van Schuyler's an American. I think the nurse is an American. And so it would make sense because I was trying to think about who would be the one that been affected by Lynette's dad's money loss or like whatever. And so it make it does fit that it would be Cornelia. Mm -hmm. I think it is about time for our final thoughts. Okay. So Mr. Fanthorpe was what, just there to make sure she didn't sign anything rash? Like, okay. Yeah. Um, also I did write this down. Two things. Rosalie wanted to go to Egypt. Why did Rosalie want to go to Egypt? I feel like there I, might... I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I I thought when I read that, that, like, the, the Otterburns were being kicked out of the hotel. And so Rosalie was just trying to, like, convince her mom to go in peace. Because her mom was, like, talking about, like, fighting mm-hmm. the hotel manager. So to me, it wasn't right. Egypt. It was more just like getting her out of there, like moving okay. on. But it could be something. Like, I don't know. There is still two issues that were brought up at the very beginning uh, that have never been like talked about. Lynette did like ditch Lord Windsham. Yeah. Do you think anyone has anything to like involved with that at all, or do we just totally forget about him? Um, he moved to Canada, so I'm going to say he moved to Canada. <laughs> oh, they said he moved to Canada? Yeah, they did. Oh, okay. So he signed I, it. He might not have, but I'll believe it. <laughs> I was just wondering if, like, maybe he has some sort of spy or something. And then mm-hmm. that other guy was mad, the the Wad Wod guy, about the house. Uh, we mm-hmm. obviously haven't talked about that ever again, but I just thought maybe those things are really tied in. I love to me, those are just, they're just red herrings. Okay. Yeah, Rosalie's confusing. Yes. I, I, I don't get the gun. No. Nope. She does seem like she was hiding something slightly. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she did see something that she didn't see. Or like, I don't know. I like the idea that Allerton, what, was, what did he use? Like, we should be able to know what he used to kill her. I don't like that we have like nothing on Dr. Besner. That he's just, like, some good doctor. Maybe he's the murderer. Guy the races. I, I know I've already said that, but... <laughs> I just had, I just had like, a whole other thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, but no. Okay, this seems too ridiculous, but I'll, I'll tell you anyways. Okay. So, so, 
no, this, it doesn't fit in with anything. Okay, I don't think this fits, but I, it's interesting, so I'll tell you. So I was trying to, like, piece together, like, why Rosalie would have that gun. And I was thinking, the fact that they look so similar, is it possible that it's on purpose? That they were, like, duplicates of the same gun? And when Poirot talks about how it's important that the gun was thrown into the river, maybe that wasn't the gun that was used. It was just... Mm -hmm they threw it into the river to make it look like it was thrown into river when in actual fact the gun that killed Lynette was not thrown into the river. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so it, it actually is the one that was found in Rosalie's handbag. What if well, at the beginning when Poirot thinks that Simon Doyle isn't that in love with Jacqueline, it's like he's actually in love with Rosalie and it's this whole thing where there's like Rosalie and Simon Doyle are controlling everything and like They've like convinced Jacqueline and Lynette, and they're like both, you know, just pawns. That's an interesting world. idea, because what <laughs> if what if Miss Van Schuyler saw Rosalie throwing the gun over the edge of the water? Yeah, and then she just said it was alcohol afterwards. Yeah, and just said it was alcohol afterwards. But it doesn't make sense because the mom was heard yelling, and I'm assuming the mom yelling was her figuring out that she like stole her stash or something. But yeah. also the mom was also getting alcohol from the crew members. Yeah, exactly. Maybe so she was like replacing her stash. Yeah, or she didn't have a stash to begin with. Mm, yeah. The other the other thing that I think doesn't make sense with this theory is that how do, would they know that Jacqueline was going to take a pot shot at Simon Maybe that Doyle. was an accident? But she, like, I thought, oh, I would think, oh, oh, maybe that's why they have the duplicate gun was to make it look like it was Jacqueline. What do you mean? Like, Jacqueline, they know Jacqueline has that pearl-handled gun, and so they buy a duplicate because they're trying to frame uh, Jacqueline. But then they create this, like, I, maybe Simon Doyle feels guilty, and so that's why he gets, like, Miss Bowers to go keep an eye on Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole idea was to frame her, and then they, by accident, create this perfect alibi for her. Hmm... I don't know, Shar. I mean, I would be pretty surprised. Okay, so do you remember the first time that Jacqueline, sorry, that Mrs. Rosalie saw Jacqueline? She was like, what, Jacqueline really or upset. Sorry, Lynette. She was yeah. like really upset and like seemed jealous of her and stuff like that. Yeah. So like maybe, but if they had this plan, well, she could still hate that. Like maybe she's actually married to Simon, and so she could hate that her husband is like with this other woman yeah oh i'm trying to now think of this if rosalie could be it but then simon's like really two timing he's yeah three timing no he's he's an asshole or L rosalie did it on her by herself wow. i'm just the fact that rosalie oh, has why would rosalie kill her does she have any motive like let's go back to motive okay so remember those motives there was money rosalie's mm. not gonna get any of the money there's love. Rosalie loves Simon. I don't know. And then doing something for someone. Yeah. For her mom? I don't know. I don't know. I'll be surprised if it's Rosalie. I'm, I know we've been like so set on Jacqueline for so long. So like we're clearly a little bit biased. Biased? I feel like, I feel like Jacqueline and, and Simon is my first theory, but just Again, the fact that it doesn't account for Rosalie being weird and Rosalie having mm -hmm. a gut to me is like, we've missed something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But also I'll stand by, okay, 
other subplots, I think Senor Machete is the man Race is looking for. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. everyone else, I feel like, is accounted for with their own story. If you know what I mean? Except for Mr. Ferguson, it's kind of confusing. Uh, I think his, I think the communist I love you story is his own thing. To me. Okay, fine. Like, you don't have to agree with me, but that's, like, how I'm looking mm-hmm. at it. So that's, I think, he's the guy that Colin Race is looking for. And then, which I think has nothing to do with any of the rest of this. I think Tim Allerton and Joanna are doing the pearl substitution. And I think he killed the maid and Mrs. Otterborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'm going to stick with Jacqueline and Simon killing Lynette for the money. The, the, the biggest motive of all of them. Yeah, and like it, like they get a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and it also makes sense that like, I I think I like I like when Agatha Christie like she has a lot of that where, like double meanings like if you read back on it now you're like yeah oh yeah that you could have read that two ways, and I think a lot of Jacqueline and Simon's you could have been reading two ways the whole time. Yeah, personally. probably probably. We're also have been trying to read them both ways. <laughs> well everyone listening at home uh charlotte and i are well the original plan was to go read the end but it's 12 30 in the morning oh i so. want to still fight, figure it out though i know we're <laughs> gonna I need to go to bed <laughs> i I'll, I'll give my couple of things so if you like this episode maybe comment or like it or give me a review if you want to get updates on podcasts you can follow me on instagram at tuesday night mystery club I now have a Patreon, so if you'd like to support me, uh, if you really like this podcast and you want any rewards, you can go check that out. That's patreon.com, I think, slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. And thank you to my Patreon supporters, who are Michael Borello, Barbara McLean, Debbie Kravis, Emily Shilton, and Emma Z. And what else, Sharp? Oh, so this episode is being published on Tuesday. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you might have got it on Monday. The solution we will post on Friday. So you will have to wait mm. a few days. <laughs> you can mule, mule, no, mull. You can think about it. <laughs> you can think about it yourself. Yeah. Uh, try and guess the solution or and then come back. If you know the solution... You can either go, wow, they got it, or, oh my god, they missed all the signs. <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to hear it. Please come tell me how well or how badly we did. It will make me laugh, I'm sure. I will say, this was the most in detail I've read one of these in a while, because oh, I sure. really wanted to get it. Yeah, we d- we tried our hardest, no matter what happens. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Caitlin. Yeah, thanks so much. This was so fun. I'd love to do this kind of thing again. So I'll see if anyone else Mm -hmm. wants to come on and read a book. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it sounds. Yeah. If people like it. True, true, true. If it's bad, I won't do it again. (laughs) Um, All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and have a good night.